My name is Cliff Benfield, and I'm an animator, comedian, and you're listening to the Just Conversation podcast. Warning, this program contains strong themes meant for a mature audience. Discretion is advised. Going live in five, four. What does live mean? Uh. Welcome to the Just Conversation Podcast, the show where we ground humanity's most absurd and baffling ideas in childish ways. I'm your host, Jack. And I'm your host, Christina. And if you haven't yet, remember to hit that subscribe button to get notified the second new episodes are released. Also, this show is most enjoyable with a listening partner to share opinions and ideas on topics we discuss. Yes, so make sure you bring in some stranger you've never met in your life, but that you saw on the street walk up to them, with a gun preferably, and uh, you tell them, Hey, you remember back? You remember back the beginning of this month when the White House was stormed? Uh Uh-huh. Well, look, do you want that to happen to your house? (laughs) Make somebody listen. Yes. That's the point. (laughs) Anyways, today we have a fantastic guest for you guys. As usual, we like to bring in creators or scholars to have fascinating conversations about interesting things in the world, in lives, in their lives, in their heads, in their minds. And today is no different because today we have a fascinating animator, the animator behind Space Skits, which you can find on Instagram, on TikTok, YouTube, all under Space Skits, and uh, the creator, the animator, Cliff Benfield, an amazingly hilarious animator, a great guy, fun to talk to, and a funny. bit funny, definitely funny, and a bit twisted, <laughs> as we find out when we pose some interesting conundrums. Yes. Yeah. It's, that's the thing. That's the thing. We just kept getting tangled in just fun things we're both interested in. Yes. And he learned some things about religion. Yeah. I learned a couple of things, too. I actually learned how animation works. And his explanation was so clear cut that, like, something I never thought about made perfect. Because I always imagine you have to do shot by shot. And I'm like, God, that sucks. Yeah. But, like, there had to be a way to make it easier. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. there must be the equivalent of, like, Unreal Engine for animators, right? Yeah. Like, I've always thought about that. But I'm like, what the fuck would that look like? And so he explained that. Yeah. He explained what programs he uses, though? Yeah, he uses Adobe. Adobe? Cool. Yes, Adobe. Oh. That name. I've always hated that name. Why? Adobe. I like it. Because I feel like that E is technically silent, and it's being said wrong. It is. It's Adobe. Adobe. There's no L. There's no L? No. It's Adobe. Adobe. I don't know. It just sounds wrong. Exactly. But Adobe. it's Adobe. It's Adobe. I don't care what anybody says. Everybody says Adobe. I get that it sounds right as Adobe. Also... The E as the last fucking thing is always silent according to English retarded rules. What if it's not English? It is. Repositive. We're saying it in English. It doesn't matter. <laughs> it's adobe. Uh, yeah. If it was in Spanish, they replace that E with an O and you'd just have adobo. <laughs> adobo. Okay. No, but if it was Spanish, it'd still be adobe. Like It'd be adobe. 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 That's really close. Maybe it's Spanish. It's not. No. Uh-huh. But, uh... Cliff is definitely an interesting person. I definitely enjoyed this conversation and picking his brain and learning about animation and actually what makes him tick. And somehow I always end up talking about SpongeBob. Yes. We need well, to not do always, but a lot. Just enough. <laughs> enough. Enough. Anytime animation comes up, 
SpongeBob, SpongeBob comes up. We basically need to do like Comedy Bang Bang and make a spin-off show called We Need to Stop Talking Sponge Sponge about SpongeBob on Just Conversation. And we just talk about SpongeBob. All we do is watch SpongeBob from beginning to end and talk Whoa. about it. We can do that. If no one's else is doing that, we can totally do that. Somebody's going to totally steal that idea now. Oh, man. We're not doing that. We're not doing it. No, now they feel more motivated because they're like, <laughs> yeah. there's an idea out there and they're not doing it. Oh, man. No, you're not doing it. We're totally doing it. We're, do we're it. totally doing, doing it. it. Yes. Don't hold us to it, but we're totally doing it. We're going to try to do it. <laughs> we're going to think about it. We're going to think about it. We'll give it thought and if... We'll forget. We'll forget and then you could do it. When you yeah. hear us totally stop talking about it and nothing happens, then you could do it probably. But if something does happen, you fuck off. Yes. You stay away from our intellectual property, you son of a bitch. Mm -hmm. Because it's our fucking intellectual property. And if you, oh God, we have recorded proof we thought about it. <laughs> yes. We'll come down on you like a fucking ton of bricks. Proof that we thought about it. Proof that we thought about it. Yeah. And that we we said it. We said it here. We said We're going to yeah. do it. We're gonna if you do it. do it and we do it, I don't even care if we do it 10 years later. We what? Were, we were planning to do it. We were working on it the whole time. And you For stole, 10 years? They stole our idea. Yeah. They stole our idea. To fuck them. Fuck them. We started writing today. It's on record. Okay. We started writing the show today to record it. And it's going to take us 10 years to start it. It could. We could start tomorrow. But we could start in 10 years. We don't know how yes, long this process is going to take. But you told them if we don't talk about it, then they can do it. Well, I gave them a timeline of 10 years. <laughs> 10 year okay, so after 10 years, if we don't talk about it, they can do it. Yes. After 10 years, if no content relative to this has happened, uh -huh. they can feel free to make the show. All right. Wow. 10 years. Okay. 10 years. Fair enough. Like, maybe we're really... Maybe... Look... Let's say we theoretically begin, right? Mm -hmm. And it starts off like it's going to be a podcast. But then we get somebody, you know, people get involved, you know, over time as we talk about and brainstorm ideas. And then we get like a person who's like, hey, man, look, I can animate for it. Oh and it's like, gosh. whoa, so it's a cartoon now. And then we get a person, um, but like we just talk about it, working it's between. It's very strange if it becomes a cartoon. Well, we're working on it, talking about it, whatever. And then a director gets involved. And it's like, hey, man, this sounds like a real good project. But now the timeline keeps stretching out. But it's, we're still working on it. It's just getting more form as we go. What is it going to end up being? It's going to be the first 4D full sensory immersive uh, virtual reality sit-in podcast <laughs> cartoon where you go in as an avatar of your creation and you sit in a room with us, us is as our avatars but as cartoons as cartoons and it, there's an entire scripted thing but it's kind of like do your own adventure where our conversation includes you and it's pre-recorded because it's you know programmed yeah. and everything but you like a video game you sort of guide where the conversation goes and every time you play it it's the same conversation but kind of different it's always about spongebob always about spongebob and every episode of SpongeBob. Yes, How every level focuses on every. This is why it takes so long. Yeah, that, yeah every episode is gonna focus on. I mean, every stage is an episode. Every okay. So it's, it's kind of like a game. video game. Yeah, it's kind of like a video game, but Choose also your own adventure video game of a conversation. Yeah, it's like two a graphic a conversation. Like a like a like a virtual novel, mm -hmm. virtual reality. But no SpongeBob involved because we... We're talking about it. Yeah, him. we're just talking about him. It's a show about a show. 
but the show is a game. It's a game about a show about a show. Yes. And the show is a podcast. And the show is a podcast. So we'd still be wearing our headphones, talking to mics, all that stuff. In the virtual space. Yes. Where the player, listener, Mm -hmm. participant, whatever the fuck you like to call it, is the third member of the cast. Yes. And they kind of move the conversation. Man, we should invent this. That's like, so much work. No, there has to be a way to make like the first interactive podcast where <laughs> it's it's a pre-recorded episode. Yes. But everybody who listens to it has a different experience. But how? I don't fucking... We got to record the episode, but like it has to be pre-recorded. Like literally, it has to be planned out. Like the lines but is how? the way we're going to talk about it. And they should be... Man, how do we respond to what they put in as a question? Because exactly. right? like, like what if they do something... the episode? Because we would need to record several lines over... No, not several lines. Yeah, I guess it would be many, 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 many different lines. And they need to... It basically needs to look like the web of uh, Detroit. Yeah. Become human. But know? how do they get to choose it while they're listening? Well, they're fully immersed in a virtual reality. Oh, okay. They are there and our pre-recorded avatars can hear them. All right, all right. So it's going to be a lot like... We know the technology is there because you can put on your mic while playing Alien and if you breathe too hard or scream when he pops up suddenly, she can hear you. Yes. Okay, so we're going to get into that with SpongeBob. With SpongeBob. Us talking about SpongeBob. Yes, and all of this has to do 100% with the conversation we have with Cliff Benfield. Sure. (laughs) It's all related somehow. Man, why don't they call him Ben? They probably do. Somebody calls him back. We ask tough, tough questions. He gets some tough, tough questions to answer. Yeah. It was pretty casual <laughs> until it wasn't. Yes. And then it was very... Button, button. Button, button. It was. I like that. It was definitely that. It was button, button. Anyways, I hope you guys enjoyed this conversation I had with Cliff Benfield. We'll see you on the other side. Enjoy the conversation, guys. Hi. Hi. Trying to roll the punches in these crazy times, right? I feel you fully. Now, how, the, how dude? I, you know what? Let me ask a real direct question here because I've been wondering this for the longest. Do you do every voice? Okay, so yeah, that's that's a question I get uh, a lot. And it's, I, I'd say I do about 80, 80 to 85% of the voices. Uh, and then the rest is just my comedian friend, uh... Uh, oftentimes it's my friend Jared Schwartz, or it's just my my buddies. Just now the 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 gangster dealer turtle was that yes. your voice? No, that that was my uh, that was my comedian friend Derek Gonzalez. He um, that that was not my concept originally. That was Jared Schwartz's concept. Basically, he lost his turtle when he was I think it was like a few years back. He had a turtle for like almost a decade, and then it ran away somehow got away and uh and he's, he's it's kind of pretty sad because it's like a traumatic <laughs> thing to go through like tur- wait you know, hold on hold on let's 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 take way steps yeah. back here because let's take it this story already got out of control his <laughs> turtle ran away yes his turtle ran away how the how the fuck did his turtle run away like how? Okay, I am. I'm, I can't even picture the <laughs> the series of events. Walk me through this. Okay, so I I don't know how the hell he lives. 
He lives in New York City. I don't know. I, well, he lives in Staten Island, so maybe that's it was able to get onto the road and then somehow escape. But his turtle somehow left his house, and uh, it was very traumatic for the whole family. Nobody was able to find it. Uh, they had it for like 10 years and it's, it's really sad with a turtle specifically cause they can live, I don't know how long, I don't want to act like I know how long a turtle can live, but they can definitely live longer than 10 years, like maybe 20, 30 years could be long. Oh, there we go. That's crazy. Oh, this is, <laughs> uh, three to four miles an hour. So I think everybody was out of the house when it happened. It had to, right? Like you yeah. would see this turtle making a run for it right. and be able to go make dinner before you decided to stop it right. and still like stop like, it. Oh, he's just trying to make it out. Let's all go to an amusement park for the day and then we'll come back and then we'll stop him from escaping. Um, that's not what happened here. So his turtle escaped, could, could still be out there. I want to know how long these things live because- <laughs> Yeah, I guess the real question is how long could it live without food, right? Right, yeah. Because if it could just find casual food here, and like if it found a pond somewhere, it's good, right? Yeah. I don't think they're, uh, I don't think turtles need too much to get what between 10 and 80 years. Holy shit, that's a ridiculous margin. Yeah, so you imagine you have this turtle and you plan on having this thing for like pretty much your entire life. And, or at least a good chunk of your life and then it, and then it's gone. Pretty sad thing to happen, so... He's he's been upset about it for a while, so he just wanted to make an, an animation in memory of his turtle Biggie. And I guess his his idea he we want to do a show concept for it. Like we're we're talking about doing a, a series for it. And we want to implement the idea that okay, so Jared, he had this turtle. This turtle got swept away or whatever, got displaced from its home, and then found its way to the bottom of the ocean, and that now he's you know, selling like plastics to get by just to try to find a way to get home. <laughs> now, you animate this yourself? Yep. All of it. Yeah. Now, oh, I don't you, you Okay. So, you use a computer, you do hand concepts first. How does this work? Basically, I I do anything I can to cut corners with my animating. I won't lie. Because like, it's, it's already such a long, laborious process. It's a um, very, it's very isolated process. Like you're on your own, you know, keyframing you know, frame by frame. I use Illustrator to draw, drop all the characters, and then I use layers. This stuff is can get very boring very easily. So stop me when it gets to we get too much into the in the weeds with this. But I draw everything on Adobe Illustrator. I make layers for like all the different arms, arm motions, and everything. Everything is pre-made, and then I just drop it in After Effects and and bring it to life okay uh, do yeah. you move individual limbs over time and record that like i have no idea how fucking animation works to be honest it's not you know what it's it's something that it, it's it's not necessarily worth knowing for anybody that doesn't do it because <laughs> it's just like it's it's very specific I, I guess if you're a video editor you can probably figure it out pretty quickly um it's it's just really yeah you you do this thing you use keyframes which is like you you base so uh, there's an anchor point on an arm. Say there's like a limb. So you got like a forearm. You would put the keyframe at the very end of the forearm. So I mean the the anchor point at the end of it. So then you can rotate it up and down. And then you just however many however fast you want to move it, you move it uh, you know a certain amount of frames. And then it's it's just very boring and uh, but, you, but you know what you did a really good job of uh, explaining that. So basically, oh. there's a first frame and a last frame. You put the motion where you want it to end, and then you 
I guess, choose a number for how many frames go in between to make yep. it look as smooth as you want from one to the other. Yeah, you find a, you find a start point and then an end point, and then you decide how many frames are in between, and then that decides how slow it is. And uh, it's great for what I'm trying to do because, like, I went to I went to film school, and I I wanted to be like a big director, you know, like shooting, on, you know, on location, like comedy sketches. Um, and then, you know, it, and I love that stuff, but it's, there's so many elements. I don't know if you've ever shot in any, anything before done like a, like a short film, but it's like, it can easily get very expensive and you're relying on all these people. And I'm just trying to make, you know, fart jokes for, you know, like a minute. So I was just like, all right, I think animation might be the way to go. Uh, because you can do, you can decide how the timing of everything. That's, that's what I love about it. You can control every aspect of the timing of the jokes when they land when somebody reacts to something like you're 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 the the puppet master with all of that so it it just became like a, a a perfect medium for what i'm trying to do okay i definitely see where you're coming from have you always had a uh, a love for animation per se or was that just something you kind of fell into oh i've always i've always loved animated shows and that's actually that's a good question cuz that's kind of a big part of why I jumped to it too is like I was thinking I was in film school and I, and I love movies and I'm, a, and I'm a, a big film nerd and everything but I was in my senior year and I was thinking what do, what do like I really want to make you know if I could if I could make anything that I've seen it's like and and, I, and I'm, I'm watching South Park while I'm thinking that to myself you know <laughs> I'm like what, what what do I like oh wait I'm, I'm always watching animated shows that's always been what it is. I've, you know, I love the Simpsons when I was a kid. Um, still love it, but like I was obsessed with adult animated comedy from like a young age. Um, so that it always just kind of made sense for me. Um, and when I jumped into it, I, 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 it felt very familiar. Like the whole, like I, I when I started, I, I my first stuff, I, my first animations weren't great. I didn't think that they look good or anything or were necessarily my funniest stuff. But it felt like, okay, this is a process that I, I get uh, and makes sense to me. And, okay, so you, as tedious as it is, do you have fun doing it? Oh, yeah. No, I love it. I, I have fun being alone. <laughs> like, I, I, I treasure my uh, alone time. That's a and, very creator mindset. Yeah, and uh, well, it's it's perfect for that. If you're an introvert and you love to create, uh, I would suggest at least trying animation because it's it's perfect for that. Now, are you I are you a fan of adult animated comedy? Like, what's your relationship with that stuff? Oh, personally, I I am. I really do. I here's the thing. My favorites are weird, but it's because of how they approach their methods of animation and storytelling. Like, mm -hmm. obviously, there's there's the big bangers that everybody has to admit are, like, the best, which was we're talking, like, the Rick and Mortys of the world. Right. We're talking uh, basic, you know, like, South Park or Family Guy, the usual stuff. But then, my all-time favorite most adult show is actually the most kids show ever, and for anybody who's listening, sorry to repeat this, but it's SpongeBob. Of course. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That is the most adult show I have ever seen in my life, and it discusses concepts that South Park wouldn't touch with a 10-foot pole. Same thing that, like, even Rick and Morty want to address things like that, and it's like real-life problems that get dressed up in a way that's funny for children, but an adult watching it will be like, holy shit, they're going through it. Yeah. I mean, I, that's so funny you say that. I, was, I mean, SpongeBob, I think, was also my first love in the animation realm. Uh, I remember it was the only animated show that my 
my mom genuinely enjoyed watching with me when I was a kid. Like, there's, you know, there's Barney and then there's even the Fairly Odd Parents. She was, you know, she, you know, she would leave the room if I was watching that. But if there was SpongeBob on, like, my, my family was laughing with me. And I was like, there's something about this show where it, like, connects with such a vast, you know, demographic. And it's definitely not something that could be made today on Nickelodeon. No, hell no. It's kind of like trying to make a Looney Tune. Like, the disrespect yeah. happening in there could never be recreated. <laughs> and uh, when it comes to the very politically incorrect subject matter happening and being discussed and sort of being processed through SpongeBob, there's no, there's no room for that in today's world. I always, when anytime this conversation comes up, I like to point out that one episode where they're raising the clam. You, you remember that episode? Of course. Okay. That episode has like 12 different really, really, really mature concepts stacked on top of one another all happening simultaneously. We have a same-sex relationship, which is being interpreted here. We have a opposite-sex uh, relationship, which is also simultaneously being interpreted. How uh, the father is perceived in a home setting when he's not home versus when he is home and how he's often not appreciated, how the mother is also not appreciated, and the stress that comes from spending all your time with a child, like the how a child sees parents going through this and might respond to something of this nature. Parents having a child who grows up and how they struggle with letting this child out, out into the world when they become 18, like a million different things that an adult can grasp and just flies over our heads when we're watching this as a kid. Like, that shit does not register in any of our minds. We're just like, hey, fucking clam, and these two guys are fucking guys. Haha, <laughs> funny. <laughs> but, like, it's so really true. adult. And we're talking, I love Mr. Krabs because he is America embodied, right? He's, and we think America is in a greedy, money hungry, but, like, he's a guy who started his own business and he does everything in his power to fund that business. Any penny he gets, and he seems greedy because he wants every penny, but what does he own? Does he buy cars? No. Does he buy houses? No. What does he do? He puts it back into the business. Yeah. Or he hoards it, right? He just hoards all his money. Yeah. Just in case of shit. That's a guy who cares about his business above all else, but then we're forced to view him as, is he a greedy capitalist who's suppressing everybody and underpaying people, or is he a guy worried about his business who's trying to make it thrive by any means necessary? Mm -hmm. And those are and, real concepts. And yeah, yeah, the concept of... You know, he he puts his business before the the well being of his employees. Like he his business is his baby. Exactly. Like and, and nothing is more important than you know the bottom line in his eye. And yeah, and and you don't register that as a kid, but you remember it. Like you look back on it immediately and you connect the dots. Like you said when you were talking about the clam episode, I haven't thought about that probably in what ten years uh, or even seen it. And the second you brought it up, I was like, oh, yeah, no, yeah, they were making fun of like how the, you know, the, the, the dad, the uh, dad comes home. He's like the breadwinner, but he's like doesn't he's too tired and doesn't have any uh, interest in child rearing or like actually spending time with the kid. And he's neglecting the wife. Like there, there's all these like tropes that when we were watching them, like they made sense. Like and but I don't know if that's just because of. uh because we had already seen it in other media and were able to apply it to to it or or we had seen it you know in our in our own house I don't know how it is but you you can immediately understand it even at that age you you don't you can't understand it on on a super phil philosophical level or anything but you, you you get what they're going for exactly like it, it makes sense to some degree what's going on even if in a simplistic kind of way 
Yeah. So SpongeBob, it was the OG. And I, I honestly don't know. I really believe SpongeBob had a huge influence on our, you know, just our generation and everything from, from, a, I, I don't know exactly how, but I, there, we all kind of connect when we start talking about SpongeBob. Like you, if you know, meet someone that grew up in the early 2000s, late 90s, and they had SpongeBob on the TV, like you can immediately connect with that person about that show, which is not the same case for everything. 100%. It's actually, I would argue that both SpongeBob and ironically, South Park tie up together for the same crowd. Yeah, I, I could see that. And that's really weird because it shows you the group of people we're dealing with today. Like, like our <laughs> entire generation is of people fully understanding of the deep problems and jaded as fuck, not giving a fuck. It's the people right. immediately after us who are just like this social justice warriors and we got to make everything function. But like I do a show where I've said, fuck, it's been like 16 minutes. I've dropped like 30 F-bombs by now. <laughs> you make a cartoon where you're basically trolling your audience with comedy. It's... Yeah. That's, we are products of Spongebob and South Park. Oh, yeah. But, like, those that grew up without it are some hypersensitive, broken individuals who had the, like, watered-down version of all this. The regular show's amazing. What? That, yeah, the regular show's very underrated. It super that is. Point. That is such a smart show. It had a little Spongebob going for it. It totally yeah. did. These guys are adults, and there's no way we could tell. Oh, yeah. They're, like... How old are they supposed to be in the regular show? They're like, they're like 20 something. Yeah. Right? One is 21. The other one's 23, I think. Yeah. And did, did they ever cover that in SpongeBob? How old he is? He's got to be like early 20s, right? I don't know. You know what? I have a real, I, I think he was actually early 30s. I'm not entirely because he was a homeowner. Yeah. But he couldn't, he didn't know how to drive. No. He like, he had, well, but he had also been taking driver's lessons for ever his entire life. They had, did I see that Family Guy was ranked 15th on that? He's 20 That's, years old. Holy shit. No, the show's 20 years old. The show is 20 years old. Yeah, yeah. Oh, no, no. Old, he's 20. He's still yeah. as... Oh, shit. SpongeBob is 20 years old. You know, that's brilliant. They definitely did that. I'm, I'm going to read into this and say they did that because they didn't want him to be old enough to drink alcohol so they wouldn't have to ever cover that part of it. That being said, I would argue he'd turn it down. He would definitely turn it down. Yeah, I think he would. I don't know if Patrick would. I think Patrick is down to ride any fucking boat. <laughs> Patrick is definitely into edibles, I think, and uh, psychedelics, I would say. Hell yeah. Have you ever taken psychedelics? I have. Ooh, you like it? I. You know what's funny? I've I've never had um, a really a bad experience. I've done it a good amount of times now. I've done LSD and shrooms, and I've never had a really bad time. There have been trips where... Um, Maybe I'm, I get like sort of in a bad headspace, but for the most part, I've had, I'm, I'm just laughing my ass off the whole time. See, I, I've, I have very similar, like I've never had horror happen. I don't know what a bad trip is like. I've never no. had something that I'm like, I can't go back. That was too horrible. <laughs> yeah, right? You know people, you all, everybody knows someone that did shrooms like, nah, yeah, I don't do that anymore. But uh, yeah, it's to me, it's just like hyper, it, it, well, it's more than that, but I'm just laughing my ass off the whole time, like for, for the good majority and then you have these introspective moments um it's funny i did i did shrooms with my friend at you know all the way in uh in at his farm i have a friend who has a farm and i, I did shrooms with him there and he built a teepee and it was the coolest thing ever and we sat in the teepee and there was a fire and i i had just gone i had just broken up with a long-term girlfriend at that point and everybody in my life was telling me don't do don't do it man like you're gonna have a bad trip or something and i was like yeah i think i'll be fine and if any, if there's ever a time you're going to have a bad trip, it's probably right after a breakup, right? Wouldn't you say? 
like something or something traumatic just happened. Yeah, you know? 100%. And I did not, I that had to have been the happiest I was like since I had gone through the breakup. And I, I was thrilled. Like I, I, and so if I can't have a bad trip, then I think I'll be fine. But I don't know. Maybe I'm arrogant right now. Maybe I'll- when was the last time you did anything? Uh, last time I tripped was a few months ago. A few months ago? Uh, oh, a few months shit. ago, yeah. Um, but I hadn't done it for a long time when I did do it. So See, that's the best. What did you do? Shrooms or LSD? That one was shrooms. Do you I like think- shrooms over LSD or LSD over shrooms? I don't think I have a preference. I guess sh- if, I ha- if I had to choose one, it'd be shrooms just because, um, y- you know, it's from, from the earth. I don't know. What about you? Do you have do you have a, a Oh hell yeah, dude. I go towards whatever's strongest LSD all the way. I'm just so <laughs> because of how strong LSD is, I'm horrified of DMT. Because I know right. like that's that's the limit. Like this you want to go to the highest point, that's as high as you're getting. Yeah. But uh so I definitely lean towards LSD because I like the rougher and as a uh like I went myself to college oh, for chemistry, ironically, I'm not doing anything chemistry related, but I went there for chemistry. So the compounds within it, like I can look myself and like study and realize that it's all pretty safe. Like there's nothing bad in, I mean, you can make bad LSD, but that's not really LSD and it won't give you any effects. But like properly made LSD, there's nothing really wrong with it. And you could test it at home to be safe while shrooms is kind of a roll of the dice, whether you're just poisoning yourself or not. Yeah, that's, that's, that's fair. And, but you went, School for chemistry. That's yeah. That's very interesting to me. Now, chemistry was always a subject that I I could never wrap my head around at all. But you seem to be a creative type. That I I never put those two together. Did were you always? Did you always have this creative side and also were a, a badass at like chemistry and science? I find it very very interesting that you don't think they're related. I'm sure they are, but I'm. But you know what? I I reject it. At, uh, like as a kid, I'd be like, oh yeah, I don't have time. Really, just because I've sucked at it and got bad grades, so I would just. <laughs> the chemistry is like, just one of the many sciences. <laughs> You're you definitely a scientist yourself. You don't agree? Um, tell me, you're not a computer scientist right now. Um, I, if, if there was ever, if I have the opportunity to say I'm a computer scientist right now, I'm not going to pass that up. I am a computer scientist through and through. No, but uh, I I always physics was I was okay at. I'm trying to think. No, I, I have science. I always was bad at. I disagree, dude. You are a computer programmer who uses his programming skill to program an animated cartoon that tells a story <laughs> to a white audience. Hey, I'll take that. <laughs> yeah, that's hey. I think you said a white audience, like a white audience for a second. <laughs> no, no, white audience. But I mean, there's probably white people in there too. Yeah, I think there's a few. Um, but wouldn't yeah, that be no, crazy? No. What if you found out your entire fan base was black? I, you know, I, that would be, I would be okay with that. That's, I have no problem with that. Um, that I, I, I like to think that my animations can, uh, you know, is, is for anybody. I mean, I have old grandparents that have seen them and they, some of them don't know what the hell they're looking at. And some of them laugh at it just like, you know, my friends do. And so it's like, I, maybe, maybe they can connect with anybody. Um, but that's another thing about animation is it's like, it's an automatic draw, I guess, for some people like, oh, it's an animation or it's the opposite. And it's like, I hate animation. Like, have you ever met someone that can't stand South Park or can't stand like family guy? Yes. His name is Mike. <laughs> and I think I have a theory. Um, cause I've, you know, I, I know people that don't like, I, my theory is it's the voices. I think that people just can't stand like the scratchy, ridiculous voices and it's and, and it's immediate turnoff for them. Interesting, interesting. You think that's the case? Because I think, for example, Mike, that guy I'm talking about, we just like scrolled past Big Mouth, and they're just using their neutral voices. Yeah, and in Big Mouth, they're yeah, like John Mulaney. That's just him. Yeah, and he talking. still hates that show. 
Really? You know what? Big Mouth is not one of my favorites, but I, I do like all the people in it. Like, what? I, I'm you don't like Big of, Mouth? I, I don't hate it. I, I just watched the, the last season. And it's and like, you're, you're, it's not on your like top 10. No, it was it was a slow burn. It took me a while to get through it. And that's another thing. Like, I, uh, I love Bill Burr. He's one of my favorite comedians, like, of all time. And I have maybe seen two episodes of F is for Family. What? Yeah. What? So, you don't like Grounded um, when it's, when the portrayal is Grounded. Because I, I would argue that these are two different types of shows, right? If we talk about SpongeBob versus, like, Big Mouth, SpongeBob addresses real problems through fake situations while Big Mouth uses real situations to address fake problems. You don't uh-huh. like somebody who uses real situations to discuss some fictional issue that doesn't really matter. Interesting. That I think you might be onto something there. I, I don't know if it's specifically that. I, it, it, there's definitely something about the grounded nature of like F is for Family. I definitely would say I prefer... Big, I like King of the Hill was never a huge fan. And I, I would say, w- would you ag- agree that that and F is for Family are in a similar vein somewhat? You know what? I never thought about it before. Keep in mind, I hate King of the Hill, but I, I, I've, all, I've also had this conversation recently that the last time I even tried to watch it, I was like a kid. So maybe it was because I was a kid that I couldn't get into it. And I probably couldn't get into something like Big Mouth and F is for Family if I was a kid when that was presented to me. But now I do like both of those. So maybe I would have to get into King of the Hill. But I would say that, yeah, I'd argue that they're in the same vein. Definitely. And I, I there's something about it. I, I never hated it. It's just like I would never be as excited to watch the next episode as I would for like a, like a family guy or a South Park or oh, a no. Simpson. I would straight out change the channel. Yeah. Like, I'm not just going to linger there. That was one of my shits right there. Right. Happy tree friends. That was, I like real absurdist <laughs> crap. And that is like the limit of that. Wait, wait, wait. This was on for 17 years. Yeah. It was like short uh, five minute uh, episodes at the beginning of Adult Swim or some crap like that. Every oh. time, every night or something. I've never seen the show. Have, let me ask you this. Have you ever heard of uh, The Life and Times of Tim? The Life and Times of what? Like Tim and Eric? No, it's just the life and times of Tim. Had no relation to Tim, Tim and Eric. Oh, no. I have, I've never heard of this. What the hell's that? This show is my... Um, I, th- this show is my shit right here. This, I would say it has a great... Had a huge effect on my animation because it's so simplistic and crappy, um, like the animation style. Um, and I would keep this in mind like a lot when I was just starting out for like what you can get away with in terms of minimalistic approach to animation. Now, and, the approach you do use, I'm sure at the beginning was due to lack of uh, uh, like on hands on skill, mm-hmm. but you adopted it to be your sort of style. Yeah, it's it's a little bit of both. I, I really to me, the most important thing is like trying to make something that's funny. And I, I do feel like, cause I've seen people make animations that are like really, um, crisp. Yeah. I'm really crisp and, you know, frame by frame, the arm movements. Like, I mean, you, you watch, uh, like you see it all the time with, um, like a lot of like children's animated shows. Like, well, it, you don't see it all the time, but it, it feels you'd be channel surfing. Like it's the nineties and you see like a clip of like a, an animated show and it's like really high def and, 
it's not it's i don't know if it necessarily adds to the comedy at all like when it animation is really doesn't good. i actually uh, i see kind of what you're saying in that the animation style you use is inherently funny to begin with you're already kind of amused going in and then the content itself uh-huh. adds to the comedy yeah like my dad I, he, he's, my dad's pretty supportive of, of my animations, but I know he doesn't love all of them. I don't think he, uh, uh, hates any of them, but he doesn't love all of them. But I will say there was one animation where I, I think it's this one where it's like this, this guy named Paul and he's like, he's just on a stage, an empty stage. And he's like asking, he's like, I lost my scooter. And uh, if anybody has any information about my scooter, uh, please just, uh, call me. Uh, if you find someone that has my scooter, uh, hurt them. And it was like, just like, Really, he was—he's like, yeah, this is kind of funny. And then he walks off stage, and his the the way he walks off is his legs literally just go up and down, like they don't cross each other; they just go dun dun dun, like up and down. And he like bursted out laughing at it, and I was like, oh great! So I got I got a little laugh in there at the end just because of the crappy way he walked. And I literally just did that because I I was it was like three in the morning, and I and I didn't want to go through the process of. <laughs> like drawing up his legs and everything so but, I just bro his... i saw that and that was funny as hell like him being depressed on top of the stage just asking for the scooter if anybody yeah. knows so and good so if you don't get the laughs with the dialogue if, if you have if it's crappy enough animation you might squeeze in a laugh there um but see that shows mastery of something you're doing because you know how to make up the difference elsewhere yeah I, I guess I guess so. I don't want to say I know, but I definitely try my best to find little moments to to maybe get a laugh um, that has nothing to do with the dialogue or anything. Just like the way their arms move, or yeah, and I and it and it, to me, it always comes back to like less is more. Like the less motion there is, and the less high def it looks, um, I th- I think it it works. But I don't I don't want to say that that's. Not also because it just happens to work out for me that it, it the, <laughs> have like the you, less I do, the more I can make them. Have you ever seen uh, one of the uh, Meat Canyon animations? Oh, yeah. Meat Can- now, he's a guy who, see, that that's the thing. He does the complete opposite. He His stuff looks amazing. Yeah, and he does detailed. polished garbage, if that makes sense. Like, he aims <laughs> towards gruesome, disturbing, like, weird, deformed, polished. Right. And it and it's great, and it's so like he see he does it in a different way where it's like perfect. I mean, he's a, a an amazing artist. Oh like, hell yeah, he is. We had him on the show just so I can pick his freaking mind. Oh really? About this, yeah, he's one of my favorite because he does he does what you do. He aims towards making things funny, and he also loves dark, which I love dark. So I I needed to like I actually caught him when he was starting before he blew up. He was on here. And uh, really? I just needed to understand, like, what is happening inside your brain, bro? He's a real chill guy. Hunter's amazing. He's a real cool guy. You wouldn't expect him to be as mellow and chill based on seeing how his art is <laughs> and the weird character of himself he performs when he's doing live skits. Yeah. No, he's, he seems like a chill, normal dude. I started following Meat Canyon in its very early days, too. Uh, like when I just started making anime, like, no, I, I, I think he had, he's been around a while, but I think I started following him right before he like blew up because of that Looney Tunes animation. The Looney uh, Tunes animation. I, I don't even know if I remember that one. It was, uh, I, I think that was the one. It was Bugs Bunny and, um, God, what's the guy with the gun, the shotgun who's always hunting him? Oh, uh, Elmer Fudd? 
Elmer Fudd, yeah. And uh, he did a parody of that. And like, it's so fucked up, but it's hilarious. And yeah, and like you can see his Bugs Bunny's neck is basically a dick. Like if you look at that on the top, if you scroll up to the top right there, there's uh, that one with Elmer Fudd, like his his neck is like penis shaped. I don't know. (laughs) I I don't remember watching this one, man. This is crazy looking. Well, it got taken down, I think, because Warner Bros hit him with the, the copyright infringement or whatever i don't know the see I, I am very very sure he goes through that quite often because he does so many parodies yeah but this one i don't th- i think it's really up to whatever the intellectual property is like whether they want to hit him with that but i think because this was so massive and i guess because it's in looney tunes it's i guess they don't want people thinking it's associate like actually associated with it oh i never even thought about that like i think it might be because of that because yeah, they don't want to, like, kids looking up Looney Tunes and stumble upon some meat canyon nightmare. Yeah, because let's be honest, this video, it was huge. Like, if, if you're a kid and you look up Bugs Bunny and this might be one of the first things to come up, I don't know if that's what would happen. But this will definitely, this is very likely to come across in your search. Like, <laughs> Yeah, I can see. Here's the <laughs> thing. Hunter became quite a, a powerhouse. Like, when I first met the guy, we were talking, like, his original cartoons before he even started doing parodies. The only parody he had done at that time was a Star Wars parody. That was it. That was the very first parody he did wow. back then. That's I, when I followed him. Like, right uh, right before... You're talking about the ones with Anakin and uh, Obi-Wan? Yes. Uh, yes. Yep. Yeah, yeah. I found him right before that, too. Like, he was... That's his very, very first one or second one, I think. One or two of those same, like, Star Wars things. And then he was just doing that. So, I was just watching his original, like, weird personal cartoon things. And then he started, like, trolling society with these (laughs) amazing, grotesque iterations of pop culture. Yeah, no, I mean, he's... He found, like, he found his uh, voice and then just, like... And just kept on, you know crushing it with like every animation like he i think he hit big with one and then you know there's so many people that can hit big with one video and then not know how to follow it up he did like the opposite he just kept making yeah content and then again that i mean you watch his newer stuff it's like it just keeps getting it more keeps and more getting better high bro. Depth. the uh the, the mcdonald's thing jesus christ bro the just freaking ronald just being creepy as fuck <laughs> that's yeah. perfect but hey man if you're so into his work he put out a call recently for voice actors and writers so you can definitely he did yeah i know he needs people that work with flash animation i think i saw he put like a a call for that i say reach and out man yeah, all connections are good connections especially if you're talking about some hunter hancock connection that's some powerhouse in the animation world that's a very good point yeah yeah no i think that i wouldn't i don't know if i have his like process i think is a little different um but he's he's definitely found something i mean it's i would love to to chat with the guy one day and just like pick his brain it is uh, so worth it he's so bro 100 percent. he's so chill super chill now okay so you spend your time you find artists that you like you create art that you like are your friends like you or are you like a crazy weirdo compared to everyone you hang out with oh um well, I have different groups. When I'm before the pandemic, I was doing um, like I was doing a lot of open mics in New York City. I'm from the city, so like I was doing a lot of that, and uh, so you meet other like-minded individuals there. So when I would, you know, be talking to stand-up people, it's like 
they're very much on the in a similar mindset where you're kind of young and you're you know you're you're hungry you're a little angry at the world because you're young and you don't get the same respect but you you have the you're at an all-time high with your creative creative flow so like i guess with with them i i feel a little more relatable but yeah i I hang out with my friends that are like grew up with uh in the city and i'm definitely a little a little different from from them but they're they love my animations i've had my friends that don't do anything in the creative realm on my uh on my animations just because i kind of like having people that um aren't trying to make a like a a clout move i guess by being on an anime you know what i mean like no they, they i fully have... understand because there's that there's always that group of people who don't really support but you're like you want to be on and they're like here's my time to shine yeah or or it's just like someone that you know like i've gotten a lot of dms from like people in the stand-up community and and i don't want to i don't want to bash them because i totally get it but like some people will like hit me and be like hey man like i wrote this animation like you want to make it with me and it's like just to correct you, you mean, do you want me to animate your script <laughs> for free? Like, that's yeah. what you're, you're asking. <laughs> like, and, uh, like, so there's, there's people like that, um, which I totally get, you know, obviously if you find out there's like an animator and you have a script that you wrote, you want to find someone for it. But I like having people on that are literally just trying to fuck around. You know what I mean? Like that's, that's the, the my, my favorite part of this is probably doing the voice acting. Yeah. Um, just like sitting in a, because, you know, go, going to f- film school and making like all these short films and stuff was like, it was fun, but there's so much set up and there's so many people on set that you have to make sure are taken care of. And there's, you know, always like a, a, a set amount of time you can really be there before you go over. Or if you're on location, then the sun is going to come down. Like there's all these elements that have nothing to do with. Like you just trying to make something funny. And when you're when you're sitting in a room with like a condenser mic and, uh, you know, Ableton is opened up, you know, you could do anything like you can you can make at 50 iterations of the same line. And, you know, you're only going to end up going with one of those. And there's there's no rush. There's no feeling like, oh, my God, like, you know, we, we got to get out of here at five. Like, the, you know, there's not, none of that rush, uh, which is so great see i i love how you're talking about this you truly 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 love what you do oh yeah like it's you you describe it like a fantasy land like you can't you're so excited (laughs) to get back to it and just do that for more oh yeah no i mean i this this is my shit right here it's i mean i i'm still there's still a ton i gotta learn I, i wouldn't say i'm like a you know, a pro editor or anything. I think I still am very much very green in a lot of this, uh, this whole process, but I, I just love getting better at it. And, um, and the thing about it is like, you can make an animation and like, I've made animations where I, I'm like, this isn't good. Like I, this, I'm not posting this and there's no feel, there's no real heartbreak to it. You know, it's like, I could always fix this or sometimes it's just not there and I'm just never going to use it. But it's it's always like, all right, on to the next one. Like that's the mentality always. It's like, all right, next one. And I think that uh, that's that's the best part of it is like you, you're never, you know, I'm never going to wake and be like, oh, man, like I'm done. <laughs> yeah, I'm done. It's I'm like, satisfied. No, no. Yeah, no, I feel it. See, that's definitely you've got like that deep rooted creative thing going on where you not only obsess over it, you fantasize over it. You <laughs> like there's hunger there is definitely like. Writers struggle with the let your babies go problem, you know, like just you're you're done fucking let it go. Move on to the next thing, because 
it's hard, especially when you've made some distance and you look back and you're like, holy shit, there's a mountain of garbage back there. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, you're always going to get better. You're always going to look back and you're going to see it that way. The point is to always look forward because that's what's going to pick up. Yeah. And, and there's, there's no reason to look backwards because th- there's very low stakes with specifically with this stuff. There's, there's no real, like you can, it, uh, there's no money into it. Like I, the money I'm spending is on the, what, the, the Adobe uh, Creative Cloud. Like if you make a short film, like I, you know, I know people that make sketches and, it's like, you know, it's it, it, you can easily lose, you know, a grand if it doesn't work out well, you know, like you that, that can really hurt your pockets. Um, and it's there's just no fuss with with this stuff and uh, keep thinking of ridiculous stuff. All you have to do is be patient with the process because it's a very slow, um, tedious process for sure. But I kind of like that. I, I kind of dig that that, that you, part of it. Is it like meditation after you're like picking at it for way long? Um, like you zone out, you're not really thinking about it. You already know you what you're going to do. So you just go on some sort of autopilot and you're mainly waiting for problems to arise because that's when the fun part comes in. That's when you learn something. Yeah, that's a, that's a very good point. Yeah. There's definitely times where I'm just kind of sitting there and I'm not even thinking like I'm just kind of, yeah, like I'm on autopilot. That's a perfect way to describe it. Do you, would you ever like, do you ever think of animated sketches? Like, do you, are you uh, into that stuff at all? I am ter- uh, There's a word I made up for how bad I am with technology. It's tech-tarded. I am severely <laughs> tech-tarded and I don't know shit about anything. I don't know if you've ever seen the meme of uh, Ozark. I don't know shit about fuck. Well, that's me. I don't know shit about fuck. <laughs> and uh, if it were me animating something... I don't know where I'd begin. I don't know why I'd begin. I don't know how I'd begin. I don't know where I'd begin. But I, uh, I've done voice for a bunch of random crap. Like, I'm always uh, participating in dumb shit when anybody... Uh, for example, there's uh, some friends of mine. They got a show called Too Many Rapes. And uh, oh, wow. on that, yes, it's a beautiful, beautiful... I would say name. one is too many, but yes. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely, right? <laughs> so, uh, I constantly... I'm like four or five different characters as well as the uh, show announcer. Like, I introduce the, the, the intro of the show for the opening credits or whatever. And so, I do random crap like that all the time. I love to just partake in weird little things like that. So, yeah, I like doing stuff like that. Now, animating stuff like that, I wouldn't... I don't know. And was that a, a natural because it's like it's acting, right? At the end of the day, what you're doing is acting. Yes. Uh, now, that yes, when it comes to stuff like that, I am because I walk around as a giant fake person my whole life doing <laughs> voices and like characters and stuff. I love doing that. Even in this show, you'll see me from moment to moment being different characters just to, for fuck's sake. And uh, so, I love that kind of stuff, 100%. I'm always doing voices. And I think that's what triggered both of these scenarios where I'm just playing characters that they're like, while I'm talking to them in a casual conversation, I jump into a character for whatever reason. And they were just like, hey, man, that's kind of cool. You want to do this thing? That sounds very similar to what I, I get to do because it's the same thing with podcasts. Like you can, the, the world is your oyster. Like you can do whatever you want. And it's, a, and it, it's very immersive. Like, I mean, this sounds like an, is there a sound effects? Is there like SFX in it and everything? For too many rapes, it's supposed to be like real cringe comedy. Mm-hmm. So it was like weird out of sync intentionally. Like there was a laugh track that would come in way late, just intentionally. <laughs> 
I love that. Have you heard of uh, Auntie Donna's uh, House of Fun? I forget the full title. It's yes. Just... Okay. I have such mixed feelings about this because it's really? the kind of show that you need to be high to watch. Because, oh, that's, I would say that's for sure. And because the, the laugh track thing you mentioned, they, they do something similar where like uh, they bleep uh, like they'll say fuck and then they'll bleep it out like a second later, <laughs> like after it was already said. Uh, that made me think of that. Uh, just like quirky. But um, see, these guys, this show is like, uh, I don't know if you know who Scott Ackerman is. You're into podcasting. Oh, I'm, uh, that is my, uh, he's one of my gods. Scott okay. Ackerman. You're a comedy bang bang follower. I like oh, that. Yeah. I like that yeah. a lot. But this is basically the child of comedy bang bang the show. Like Pretty the much. TV show. Yeah. Have you seen they did um they were they're a pretty big YouTube page. Um that's have you seen their sketches before they did this uh the Netflix show? No, I didn't know they existed until they showed up on Netflix. Yeah, they've been around forever and they I wouldn't say they they didn't blow up ever. I mean, I I guess they did cuz they got a Netflix show, but like they had a very steady kind of uh period of just growing an audience. I would say they've been around for like a decade. Um, what? Are you fucking kidding me? Yeah, and uh, yeah, Auntie Donna, that's the name of the YouTube page. I would say, I think it has like maybe almost like around 400k subs. So, it's like, you know, they they, they just kind of built this map. But, you know, with, with that kind of comedy, it's like the people watching it and coming back to watch it, like they're obsessed with it. You know what I mean? It's like the following they do have is like very, I would say very dedicated to them. And uh, so, they got that thing going for them. But yeah, they've been around a while. But I see, didn't discover them. Their until... show is so uncomfortable to watch at times. Like I, I get how <laughs> funny it is, but like, have you ever seen? You know, Comedy Bang Bang the show, right? You try to watch. Yeah, that. I watch every episode. Listen to every episode. Uh, watched. You, I think the whole. Yeah, it was uh, five seasons. I think right. IFC. What was it? Uh, what was it? What were they on again? Yeah, I think it was IFC. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so you ever tried to watch that sober and notice the ginormous, like it's still funny, but it's not like you're aware of how funny it could be. Interesting. Uh, you know what? I think I'm all, I think I'm a little brain dead at, so at all times. So I, I think that that stuff works for me no matter what. Like I'll listen to comedy bang bang uh, like when I'm taking the subway at 9 a.m. and like I'm tired and I'm, you know, I'm half, I'm, you know, I'm grumpy. All I have is coffee in my system and like. I'll still like and love it and enjoy it because See, I, I the think that's kind of the show though, the podcast I'm the same way with. Like okay, I could yeah. listen to that at any moment, at any state of mind. Mainly when it comes to visuals, I guess would be the case for me. You know what? I think I know. I think I know what you're saying. Yeah, because the show is very, I would say, a different tone. It's because it, and the what I love about the podcast is that Scott Ackerman is like, I would say he's the ultimate straight man. Like he's just so good at at being. He can act ridiculous. But he always is able to revert into the whole reacting to ridiculous kind of uh, a zone. You know what I mean? Like, like he's reacting to ridiculous guests and he does that really well. Whereas I feel like on the, the show, he's always acting silly. Yes. He's the he's sort of the, the spearhead of ridiculousness. Yeah. Um, now, do you follow all his homies? The, the Paul F. Tompkins of the world and the Lauren Lapkuses? Love them. Yeah, see, that's the perfect team. I'm, then, I'm assuming you listen to Freedom as well. I didn't have... St it's on Stitcher Premium, right? No, so, it's like, free now. I, it's free now. Oh, you know what? Yeah, I did listen. I did download one episode. I, I listened to the first episode when it first came out like two years ago because they released the first one for, for free. Mm. And uh, I thought it was great. I mean, I love all three of them. Um, 
but I ha- I think I've only listened to a few of those. But yeah, there's there's such a, they have so such deeply rooted uh, chemistry, and I don't think yes. that Lauren Lapkus she hasn't always been around the comedy bang bang team, right? Like she was like him and Paul Tompkins have been doing it together for yeah, they've been friends since the start. Uh, but she came a little later, right? Yeah, I think they met through doing, uh, re- like, really got close through doing Comedy Bang Bang. Like, she was a guest repeatedly, and then, like, the chemistry was way apparent, especially when uh, her and Paul of Tompkins would show up on the same episode, and they, like, riff off of each other very heavily. And mm-hmm. then they noticed, like, that dynamic worked out, so she would keep popping up, because I think nobody has been on the show more than Paul. And, uh yeah. As she started kind of popping up more consistently because she kept getting invited and that just naturally bloomed into what we now know as the trio. That's crazy. I didn't realize that's it was solely like through her appearances on the show that that's how they built their friendship. Isn't that so cool that you can just like watch friendships be developed? Like a hundred percent. Some of the best people I have met in my life have happened through doing this show. Individuals I would not have met otherwise, and they were just doing a thing. They either contacted me to promote their thing, or I loved what they were doing, and I contact them to just kind of pick their mind, and then there's like a natural sync that happens. Don't get me wrong, there's some guests who are just here, they do their thing, they leave, and then I never hear from them again. But there's always occasionally people come through and that person is like, wow, this person was real cool and they're thinking the same thing on their end and you just hate each other up randomly and just have conversations. That's actually a really cool thing about podcasting that you're just kind of meeting people as part of the job. Yeah. And there's an audience watching you like develop this relationship. It's so interesting. Like the, with a, have you ever watched Crashing, the Pete Holmes show? Um, No, I haven't. It's it's like about stand-up in New York and like you know, becoming a stand-up, but he, uh, he developed that show with Judd Apatow, the great Judd Apatow. And they had never, I think they met on Pete Holmes podcast. Like they did a three hour podcast and like that was their first time they ever met. And then two years later, they produced an HBO show together. And it's, it was just like so bizarre listening to that and then thinking, wow, these guys like, like really get along well. And then they just make a show. Part of me feels like that's why Pete Holmes started that podcast, so he could have people help him get a show started. <laughs> so I mean, <laughs> bro, everybody's trying to sell socks one way or another, you know? Yeah, right. <laughs> like, everything has a greater purpose. Now, talking about comedy, right? Is that fucking... Oh, no. Pete Holmes looks like Scott Ackerman in that picture right there. He does, right? <laughs> yeah. I was like, what the fuck? Is that Scott Ackerman? But now, coming to stand-up, what... Like, okay, you have... You've always had a love for animation. That was natural for you. How the fuck did stand-up happen? Dude, I, you know what? I'm such a shitty stand-up. Like, there's people out there busting their asses right now in freezing cold weather, doing open mics in New York City, uh, doing any show they can, uh, like, just trying to hone their skills. Um, I, I've been lazy about that part. I decided to use my time to animate during, like, quarantine and then throughout the pandemic. But, like, I I always loved stand-up. Like, I did it I did it pretty consistently for, like, uh, for about a year and a half before it hit the, before, you know, March. And I guess I jumped into it because, first off, it's like, a, you get a, such a rush from doing it. Um, I don't know. Have you ever, like, done live performance before? Like, I'm sure you, I'm sure you've done something in that vein, right? 
Live performance. I'm sure I have two. Now, ask me what it was and I couldn't tell you, but I feel uh-huh. like I did. I'm trying to think. What the hell did I do live? Well, I bet you know what? You could do this show live easily. I mean, that's like people eat that up, like live podcasts. Oh, uh, no. Like Here's the of- problem. Here's the problem with that. One, our engineer is astounding. And sometimes I, the problem is I'm also astounding. I'll have a conversation and then get something out of you. You probably didn't want the world to know. <laughs> and then you're like, oh, fuck. I probably shouldn't have said that. But if that's live, you're fucked. Well, they're fucked. It's good for you. <laughs> yeah, see, I, I don't like, like, I want to have you in a fair fight, if that makes sense. Yeah. No, I understand that. And if I put you in a position where now you feel too thoughtful and like you've got to, I don't want to slip up again. I got to think hard. Now you've just shut down. But if you know that there's the safety blanket of you tell me and then Lind just removes it. That's, you know, that's very kind that you, obviously, if someone approached you and they were like, I, I actually, I don't feel comfortable with this, this segment where, you know, we talk about this. Um, I would rather that not be released to the public, but you could easily, you know, be annoyed by that. But it sounds like you, you welcome that because you don't want to create an environment, an environment where, um, your guests feel, uh, like there, it's a gotcha kind of thing, you know? You are thinking of it. It's, it's like the right thought, but the wrong reason, if that makes sense. Uh-huh. Like you're definitely seeing me as way much more of a good person than I am. <laughs> I like to think about it as more of if I scare you away, you might not want to come back. Mm-hmm. But I am just looking for that moment where you say something irrational and I'm going to just point it out and be like, this is why your thoughts are wrong. And I'm looking for that moment and that's exciting to me and I don't really care how the world sees it. Like if you go through enough episodes, you'll consistently see how little I care about the audience's reception. And I am, again, I'm antagonistic. I'm going to question things you say if they sound off by even the slightest margin. I like to do that. I like people to come clear and concise and when they don't, we think back and forth. And if the show doesn't get philosophical at any point, I throw something in there to just shake shit up and see how incoherent their thoughts are. I, I don't, I wouldn't say I care for the environment formed because it is, uh, to some degree, it's both a uh, very thoughtful, pleasant, and hostile environment all at the same time. Hostile how? Your because thoughts are going to be questioned and most people aren't comfortable. After I ask enough whys. In fact, do you believe in God? Uh, I don't know. Probably not. Why not? Um, I don't know. I don't want to do the whole, I believe in an energy kind of thing, but I guess like that's probably what I feel like. You know, I feel like there's, um, I think there's something happening that I don't understand and, uh, I appreciate that and, uh, don't want to be, live my life so arrogantly where I feel like there's no, uh, th- there's no higher power. Um, because that it seems the way my life's worked out, it seems like the second I get too full of myself, like I get, I get a hard slap of reality in the, like a hard slap in the face of reality. And you think maybe that's being done by some higher power you don't understand. I don't know. You know, what's funny. I always, I have this running joke that nobody finds funny, but I always say, I want to start a religion where it's like, it's, you know, every religion is like, you're praising somebody. Like I want to start a religion where like you bully God. 
into like giving you what you want. You know what I mean? (laughs) The person who succeeded at doing that is St. Patrick who told God, you're going to do what I say. God, for whatever reason, said, yeah. At some point, he told God, I want to run heaven. And then God also said, yeah. And I'm pretty sure he asked for immortality. And I think God said yeah to that too. He said yes to all those things. You see, we got to be shaken down, God. All right. But see, here's the problem. Do you think it would be possible to form a religion? Okay, better question. If it it were possible to form this religion, do you think that you could get people to willingly follow a... Do you think people have this capacity? You're basically trying to pull people out of the belief of uh, he's perfect, he's all-knowing, he's this and that, to we are going to strong-arm infinity. Yeah, like we're just going to... Well, to me, it's just like a funny concept. Like, honestly, when I think of it, I just think of it as like a funny sketch idea. Just like, you know, it's like, <laughs> like you just kind of sh- like you talk to God, like you're about to shove him into a locker. It's like, what are you going to do about it? Huh? Like, you better get me that job promotion, God. Like, what are you going to do? And then just like, like you just kind of in a, in a way, but in a way it's cathartic. And by doing so, you become very in control of your own destiny by rejecting the idea that this higher power has control over you. And if so, if it does, then you're just going to like treat that higher power like it's your bitch. You know what I mean? And like, and then you should become a uh, pastafarian. What's that? Pastafarian? Yeah. You know what a pastafarian is? No, I do not. Oh, shit. Well, a pastafarian is a person that uh, worships the God of reason. See this. Pastafarian. Is really like a certified religion, ironically. And, uh, it's based on the fictional flying spaghetti monster as a concept for God, but all the things that reflect this religion make way more sense. One, you could practice any belief system. You could pray if you want. You could pray to the spaghetti monster if you want. They don't care. All of it is equal. Um, the basic of the Ten Commandments, well, I guess nine of them, which is, you know, don't rape, don't fucking cheat, don't steal, don't fucking, you know, the usual, um, what the fuck is that wrestler's name? Uh, that fucking, does we cheat, we lie, we steal, that guy, fucking Eddie Guerrero, there you go, don't do the Eddie Guerrero laws or whatever. Right. And so, this religion is based in reality heavily, and it's sort of mocking the ignorances of other religions and sort of the oxymorons that take place in religions where it'll be like, we love everybody unless you're gay and Uh weird shit like that, you know? So this totally ignores all of that. It's actually along the lines of, I don't know how familiar you are with Satanism. I I don't know much about um, Satanism. I'm very not well read. In well, the realm Satanism of is basically atheism. They confuse Satanism pretty often with devil worshiping. Right. But that's, uh, those are Lu- Luciferians. Luciferians worship Lucifer. Satanists are essentially atheists who use the reasoning of Lucifer. Which is, we are all our own God. We are all equal. Nobody's higher than us. There's no higher energy than us. We are the highest energy. We treat ourselves perfectly first. And then once we are well, we are allowed to treat others well. But if we can't take care of ourselves, how should we take care of somebody else? Now, so, that sounds like a universal thing that we we all should be following, though, right? Like, Except Christianity and Hinduism and uh, Judaism and Islam and all these religions don't follow that doctrine. They right. so follow the big ones the, don't believe that you need to have a well-oiled machine yourself before you start um, like 
Because if you're not running at full capacity, how are you supposed to help others? A hundred percent. They're questioning whether or in, in Satanism, they're questioning whether you're well enough to even bother caring about somebody else. While in the big religions, which are essentially cults when you think about it, because all religions are cults to some degree, they are forcing you to give all the energy you should be using to better you to just put it in the hands of a god and hopefully he fixes it for you. Yeah. I never really... I, you know what? I got to I gotta read more. I think that's what, what we're learning here. So I need to read more. Um, but I'm all in. I'm a Satanist now. I think that's right. Um, I want the cool tattoo. What was that on top? It's a star? Yeah. Yeah, what, yeah. What does that um, represent? Um, that is supposed to represent the uh, bafflement. The bafflement. You, you know who bafflement is? There you go. You see it right there, the the goat man. Oh, thing? that thing. Yeah, I know those things. Yeah. So bafflement is the representation of balance. Obviously, people are idiots and confuse it, thinking that's Lucifer or a representation of evil. But actually, that's wrong. If you actually click on that picture, maybe it's bigger than that, and we could see some more. It's actually not. Maybe they'll load something bigger. But most uh, images of bafflement have him with one hand up and one hand down. That's representing uh, the good as above and the uh, dark. Uh, so below. And uh, so Baphomet, opposite to gods from all other religions who are purely good, but then that means you're incomplete and you can't be omniscient because you lack the other half of everything. Baphomet is the complete god. He is all of good and all of bad. He judges neither because he's all of the above and none of it matters to him because those are all concepts made by man. So coming from um, someone who's very green in this this whole area... Um, that, that sounds very reasonable to me, but I would assume, you know, people see the picture of the guy with the horns and the wings and it just looks off and people just think, oh, this is evil. Like, this is just something that if like, if my son is, or my kid, if I find out my kid is worshiping this thing, then clearly they've been, you know, uh, seduced by Satan. Like I could see that being an, like for someone who doesn't know the context, like immediately they're just going to uh, assume the worst. Yes. And the that's what's creator happened. of uh, Satanism, Anton LaVey, uh, was a comedian himself, actually. I don't know why you don't know about him. He was a comedian who invented this. And uh, he thought it was funny, one, to choose the name and two, to use this deity as a representation. What's his name again? Uh, Anton LaVey. Anton LaVey. Yeah, I want to see. I want to see this guy. Right there, first thing that showed up, this guy. Wow. Anton LaVey. Yeah, even in the book, there's a satanic Bible, and it is a hilarious read, because all he's doing is just mocking religion and cracking jokes straight through what would, in any other case, be holy text. And this guy was a stand-up. He was a comedian. I'm not sure oh, if he, he was, was a com- stand-up. Okay, I, I see what you mean. Yeah, he was like a... Like, he would write comedy. I don't know if he, like, did open mic comedy. Now, let me ask you this. Did How did you learn about this stuff? Like, how did, was this a natural curiosity? Did you go to a school where they, they had classes on this that you just found yourself in? Oh, well, I when I was young, I was uh, raised in a household where I had a religious parent who refused to force her religion. Her exact words were consistently, anytime I would ask anything, go find out. And anytime I had a question about the universe, go find out. And anytime I had curiosity about where I came from or what there is, go find out. So my only option in life was ever to go find out. But there was no map. The reason she actually did this 
is because she started in a religion and then moved to another after she got sort of disillusioned and studied it and realized this doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. And she didn't want that same thing to happen to her children. And uh, in my quest to get answers, I fell down every possible rabbit hole imaginable, including taking uh, theology and philosophy in high school and college as electives so that I could just gather information. So relatively since the age of 12 throughout my entire life, I've looked all of this crap up. Right. And it seems like like this, it, it, you, it didn't sound like you were, you didn't have censorship in the household. Like there wasn't like uh, this feel like there's, there weren't taboos in your household. Like, oh, you can't watch this show or you can't do this. Like, oh, no, 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 no. I was raised in the type of household that most parents would maybe label even cruel because of the level <laughs> of lack of censorship that there was. Well, I didn't have, I was similar. I didn't have any censorship as a kid. And it seems like that is a constant theme in terms of like, if you want your kid to not get into some weird shit, just tell, tell them to, you know, to don't, don't hold, keep, make things taboo. Don't make like things in media or other religions. Like don't make those out to be things you should just completely avoid. See, then I would agree of- with what you're saying, except The lack of censorship took me down worse places once I discovered the internet at around, like, 14. Ah. And then I discovered that the dark web is a thing, and then I jumped down those rabbit holes, and now there's certain images burned into the back of my mind that I just trolled into and watched for long periods of time because it was entertaining. I watched for, like, three hours as a kid in a cage, God knows where the fuck he was, just kind of sat there starving. But I don't know where he was. I know there was a camera and people were paying to watch the kid get tortured. Like, that's just a thing I saw once. Right. How old were you? I was like 14. Yeah, that's pretty young. Yeah. like It's not like you're 10. Yeah. I mean, I guess. Like, I saw a woman with uh, high heels. Now, the cat, we don't see the woman. We just see her from the ankle down. She's wearing a high heel and there's a puppy on the floor. And she just kept poking the puppy with the heel until it coughed up blood and died. Oh, God. Yeah. Yeah, I'll never forget that one. I was very angry. And you just found this on your own? Like, I, I, I didn't know how to look this stuff up when I was a kid. I, I did not have, I was not savvy with the internet for most of my life. So, like, even if I wanted to, like, explore the dark web, I don't think I would have known where to start. Like, because I didn't, I don't think I learned about what 4chan was or 8chan, like, until I, you know, oh, no. it was already I, known. See, I, I grew up on 4chan. Right. That was, like, home. That was one of the chill places. Um, 4chan, 8chan, when Reddit was like first taking off, that kind of stuff. And And I don't know. It was, it was definitely a weird situation because here's the thing. I'm a really good researcher. I might be, again, super tech targeted. I don't know crap about crap except research. You mm-hmm. could tell me to find fucking anything, dude. You need me to find the government document that the Pentagon hit somewhere in the bottom of the Vatican outside of technology. I'll get that on the internet somehow. Right. All right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to remember that if I, if I need to find some information. I'm going to hit you up. Definitely, man. I'll, I'll tell you who killed them. Or any. Can you get dirt on people for me? Probably. All right, cool. All right, I'll remember that. Yeah, yeah but. <laughs> it's probably not cheap depending on the information, but we'll talk about that later. Right, right, right. right. We'll, we'll discuss fees. But it sounds like you, you have this natural curiosity and it's taken you down some rabbit holes uh, that maybe if, you know, if you, if it, there were a stricter household, maybe you wouldn't have gone down there. But don't you see, you would agree you're better, you're better for it, right? The fact that you kind of had to figure out stuff on your own and you kind of had to figure out what your own beliefs were rather than... See, I, I don't know how to answer that question because of one reason. 
the experience that I had growing up gave value to nothing. So growing up, I valued nothing. Now as an adult, I find it hard to find meaning because everything was always meaningless and valued as such by everyone around me. So everything seems purposeless and I basically live my life looking for meaning. This podcast, this conversation we're having right now is just so that I can find meaning by communicating with other people who are also trying to find meaning. Like, you're not just making art. There's an obsession there, but what are you obsessed with? Why is the drive in that direction? What are you getting out of it? Like, what's the purpose of what you're doing, even if you got paid and you still go back? They give you a million dollars. You'd still make another cartoon tomorrow. If you were, you made the cartoon you dreamt about doing when you were 10 years old. Okay, tomorrow you're still making a different cartoon. There's something that you're looking for. There's a meaning you're trying to find. And when you do find it, you will be satisfied. But who the fuck knows what that looks like? You don't. You're still looking. True. But I think it is the chase, like for the, the sake of the chase. Like it, this is something that I can sustain. This podcast you do, you can continue doing. You can sustain it. Like it's all about the search, you know. Oh, a hundred percent. I definitely agree with that. I think the destination for things are stupid. If you ever get to the place, now what? But if the purpose, I guess that's what you're talking about. Rather than a goal, have a purpose. Because if you have purpose, purpose is uh, always giving, while a goal is fleeting once accomplished. Like you got there, now it's done. While purpose, my purpose is to take care of others. Okay, now you could take care of others forever. I finished taking care of them. Taking care of them. Well, there's somebody else over there to take care of. And my purpose is to acquire knowledge. So I bring on people like you who love creativity and I'm going to dissect your mind and have conversations to see how your brain ticks. And you want mm-hmm. to create a world of your twisted ideas. And so you can keep doing that because the purpose isn't a specific idea, but rather the putting of the ideas out there. Definitely. You know what? So I, I'm going to, do you like documentaries? I bet I, I can, I bet you like documentaries. 100%. Right? Um, this is a fun one. You might've seen it. It's called Six Days to Air. Um, and it's the, it's, it's like, this was very seminal for me in like getting into animation. It was, um, it's about the process of how they make an episode of South Park. And it came out right after, uh, they did the Book of Mormon. Like they, they, this, it's, it's, um, them coming back from doing the Book of Mormon and getting back into the mindset of doing South Park. And at this point, they had been doing it for like, what, 13, 14 years. So they've been doing this show that's already massively successful for 14 years. Yeah, the, their method is crazy that they have to do it in six days before. Yeah, they have no, there's nothing, uh, like, no, like they could have no concept on day one. And then by day six, they have the full episode produced. And I think this t- ties in a little bit to what we're talking about because... These guys already had everything, like when they made this documentary, like when they were showing the process. They had, if if we're talking about goals to be reached, they had already reached them. Like they did the Book of Mormon and got all the nominations for it. Um, They had, you know, South Park was already an international success. But there, there's these guys that are hugely successful in their in this form of media are like ripping their hair out and like stressing and they're paranoid and. And they just, they hate the episode while they're making it. Like, I remember Trey Parker, one of the creators is like, he's in an interview. He's like, it's, this is on day three or four. And he's like, yeah, this is a piece of shit. I hate this. I, 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 I don't, this is going to be the worst episode we've ever made. And it's like, could you imagine? And, and cause it's for people like him, it's just about the process. 
like it's just about making something like if you're not making something it's like that's there's no there's no purpose i disagree i think they don't even know what the they're chasing but it's what we were talking about before you remember when i said that like you just kind of tune out until you come across a problem and now you're suddenly mm-hmm. engaged it might be frustrating it might be pissing you off you might have given yourself an imaginary deadline and you're like fuck i i just want to finish or you could quit at any moment nobody's making you do it but you're mm-hmm. still there stuck doing it I think the same thing is sort of love, hate, pleasing them, where that episode that you're talking about specifically is like, fuck, this sucks. This is the worst episode we're going to make. But like, why are you here? You're rich. You could just go home if you don't Mm -hmm. want to be here. But he's still there. In fact, he's more present at that moment than he is when it's cruising by and he's like tuned out because the ideas are just flowing. Yeah, definitely. I I mean, it's completely based off of just a a need, an innate need. And then the craziest thing is that it's been... You know, they've been doing it over a decade, like, and they still get all worked up and like freaked out. And because that's, that's the whole point, I would say. I would say we, we agree that if, if there wasn't, uh, that I would agree that there, there's no end goal here with making this show. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. Now, my question is, what could get you to stop making animation? Um, you know, I've always had a passion for, um, uh, insurance sales. Um, you know, but I've just, I've never been able to do it. So I just stick with animation, but, uh, no, I'm kidding. I, uh, I, I don't know. It's, it's seriously anything, something that would stop me. I, I don't know because it's worked out for me. Cause I, I do get, I, I do, um, corporate work. Like I make corporate animations and I, I make pretty decent money doing that. And, uh, it's, it's, I could just kind of put all my eggs in that basket. You know, like it, it is a pretty, um, time consuming job. Um, and like, I could just at the end of the day, you know, just like have a beer or just like, you know, watch TV. Cause I'm still doing what I love. Like I'm still making animations, but it's for somebody else. You know what I mean? Yeah. Now um, what could get you to like, stop that? And, but that's the thing. Like, I'm uh, I, I, like, that hasn't stopped me. Like I'm still doing animation and, you know, making, you know, I, I'm getting paid to do it, but I don't, I, I still feel the need afterwards to just make my own, you know, silly little minute long video. And it's, they, they, even though they're short, like it's still is time consuming. So I don't know if there is something that would stop me. Maybe a major tragedy, like if a family member was something happened to a family member and I had to take care of them. But then you'd um, just come back to it afterwards. Yeah, you know, I'll wait around the hospital, you know, see what happens and then I'll be, I'll dip out. No, but uh, I, I don't think that there's, I, I can't think of something that, it would have to be a major life changing event. But even then, you might um, come back. I, I might come back. So uh, that's a good question. I don't. I've already tried some. I've I, like I was in a band in high school, so I tried to to be a, a rock star, um, and I learned I just didn't have the passion. Like you have to really fucking want to show up to practice every day, and you really have to want to make your your band sound perfectly in sync, and and just make your fingers bleed playing guitar all day. I mean, I love guitar, but just not on that level. So I tried that. I tried, you know, I went to film school. I realized, you know, the the process is, you know, I, I love it, but just it's not there, that insane drive. So I've tried different creative things. And this is the one where I've been able to just kind of like, as you mentioned, like just go on autopilot while I'm doing it and still like all I am is waiting for a problem. Like I, I, I get off on the whole, like on solving these issues, which I think is the key to a passion is you have to really enjoy 
the parts where it's not fun at all. And that's that's why I would really suggest watching the Six Days to Air because you see how un how not fun the process of making a South Park episode can be. But like they still obsess over it. No, dude, I am a writer. I am fully fully aware of how you have to learn to love what you hate. Uh-huh. Like editing? Oh god, editing. It's the worst. But also it's kind of where the magic happens. Yeah, absolutely. And and uh, like I, I mentioned this before, it's like you're you're kind of the puppet master when you're editing. So so you've written stuff. Oh like yeah, written- uh, several novels and short stories. Holy crap, that's that's very impressive. But um, what 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 was one of you, your most recent novel about? The most was recent was a novella. It was originally called Love Serum, but I got tired of that, and then I changed it. How long is it? Um, uh, depends how long you take on reading, I suppose. <laughs> let me, uh, let me ask you this. Uh, how the hell does one write a novel even? Like, what's your process? Is it the Ernest Hemingway thing where like he, he had this thing where it's like he needed to write 10 pages every day, day and then didn't matter. This is, actually, he had a timer. It wasn't just 10 pages because this method changed a couple of times. Mm-hmm. Ernest Hemingway had the, I don't know how far you got into reading about him, but he had this clock and he would set the clock. And he would, he could only write for the exact amount of time that this clock was ticking. And the moment the clock went out, it doesn't matter if he was in the middle of a sentence, he could not write an additional word. Think of how hard that is. Let's say you're writing a script for one of your cartoons and you have a timer and you have to stop mid, even if you know what comes next, mid sentence. Do you yeah. have the discipline to just walk away? Uh, definitely not. That's yeah, definitely. like that's hard, right? Like this man trained us into himself. He had the 10-page process. He had the two-hour process. He had the stop-by-seven, no-matter-what's-going-on-in-life process. This man was a weird, meticulous individual. Hell no, I am not like Ernest Hemingway. (laughs) Okay. So, you just do it when you find time, or do you at least least plan a day where it's like, I got to fucking write? I write every single day, whether it be a single word in the dead of night or it be several hours. There is no excuse ever to not write. That is bullshit somebody made up because they were unmotivated and or lazy. Mm -hmm. And like if you got time to watch TV, could have been writing then. If you are waiting for your food to cook, why wasn't there a notebook next to you? And why didn't you just write a single word? You know, so there's always kind of like the reason. So I write daily. It is intentional. It's always intentional. I believe inspiration is stupid to wait for because you oh, usually get inspired while working. And if you weren't working when you're inspired, good luck finding the tools to do what you want. Yeah, you're not going to find. Yeah, that's that's not something that is sustainable at all. Waiting for inspiration. No, nah, it's always it's really just discipline. an excuse. Like, yeah, 100%. Nobody's genuinely sitting like saying, well, you know, I'm just waiting for that. No, they're like giving an excuse because they don't want to have to access that part of their brain um, because it's scary. Like it's it must be terrifying sometimes, right? When you're when you're about to sit down and write and you don't know what you're going to do. And it's like shit. Like, oh, no, hell no. The same time I started doing my sort of uh, life research, I also uh, began keeping journals daily. And I started in those journals, uh, sometimes there would be nothing to write uh, about my day because fucking nothing happened. Mm -hmm. So I would just veer off into some fictional realm and I would write something casual, some thought I had about, oh, this I was just sitting outside and I had this funny idea about this thing or whatever. And I would just jot it down. It's like a little 
flash fiction moment that happens. Eventually, I ended up handwriting entire uh, like book-sized things. Eventually, I got my first computer, which I won off of my mother in a bet. <laughs> what? what was the bet? I don't even remember what the, I wish I remember what the bet was. I just remember that there was a computer that the family shared in the living room. And uh, I was the one who was always on it 24-7. Nobody else was using that computer. And I bet, I don't remember what the fuck the bet was, but I bet my mother about something and that if I was right, I would get to keep the computer. And I turned out to be right and I got to take the computer to my room. And uh, once I had that in my room, I wrote my first book, which was very crappy and I didn't know editing was like a thing I had to do or whatever. I wrote it at uh, like 13 or so. And it must have been, I guess, maybe like 40,000 words or so. Now, because no, of that, I've always just kind of written. I've never really been like, oh, I'm scared of writing or, man, how am I going to start this thing? I adopted the write garbage and then refine it. Yeah. So it seems like, well, that's the perfect because you were young at that time, right? You yeah. Were... Yeah. Yeah. I was like 12, 13. That's, that's the best thing you can do. And that's something I regret not doing more as like when I was young and, and trying to still kind of figure out what I liked uh, or what I, what I could create. And it's really just, you just got to base it off stuff, you know, like, and that's what you did. You, you, you took this thing that was a concept and, and you ran it through your, uh, your, your gauntlet or whatever. And, but y y some people like me, when I was at that age, I'd be like, no, I don't, I, you know, I don't want to just copy something, but that's not what you're doing. You come up with your own art by taking what's around you. And uh, that's something I wish I learned at a younger age. And it sounds like you learned at a very young age, you were able to write a whole book. Like, that's insane. I mean, it was uh, definitely a firstest of first drafts. The problem is I deleted that shit and I wish I had it because knowing of editing now, I would have just refined it using the ideas that were already there. I'd have to like write it off the top of my head again. Ah. And so this next one, though, sounds like it's a more mature concept. Oh, yeah. I'll take this part out, but I'll tell you real quick what it is. There's Now, I love writing dark stories. Uh -huh. And, uh... Oh, boy. That's, that's heavy. Yeah. I love it. I actually love that. That's such... You never want to give people what they want. No, never. Anyways, I'll take all of that out. They're just going to hear this part <laughs> of me telling you I took it all out. <laughs> That was great. I, I thought that the uh, the flying Kraken spaceship was a little much in, in the third act, um, but you know that's that's your that's your choice. Hey, personal taste, man. Don't judge. <laughs> don't judge the concept. <laughs> um, that's awesome, though. I don't want to say I don't want to because since we're cutting it out, but that's I'm I'm very excited um, for you about that. That I, I really do admire that that you were able to to sit down and write. And f and it's at the end of it, or you still got a little bit left? Oh no, it's done. It's just done. Uh, the 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 Thanks. annoying nitpicking of grammar, and is this the right word that I should use, or should I change that word? And you know, when you've already read it for like the six billionth time, and you're like, God, fuck, I gotta fucking go through it another goddamn time just to be sure. And then you get to halfway through, and you're like, Fuck, I didn't even notice this the other seven thousand times I read this. Fuck. Okay, let me fix this, and then you finish, get to the end, you're like, Well, I missed that. Maybe miss something else you go back and you're oh, like fuck yeah. i did miss something else I'm, i go through that all the time it's, it's and it's it's the worst when like when you're editing because the more you build the the more you just end up finding like you think that you're done with one part you're like that's good i don't have to look at that ever again 
and then you find something's like ah see i figure that would happen even with animation right because the the problem is the more you do the more you learn and so you learned let's say let's say you you work in four stages right you got 10 minutes of an episode and you break it up into two and a half minutes each by the time you're done with the first two and a half minutes you've already learned more because you spend time doing something so mm-hmm. by the time you're in the seventh and a half minute, you've developed so much skill that by the time you finished, you go back to part one just to be sure, you know, you missed something before. Maybe you, but now you're looking at it with the educated eyes of whatever you finished editing with that you didn't have when you began editing. So now you're back to the start. Okay. Now you're applying the new skill you got, but you get to the end. You've already, again, learned so much. So you go back to the beginning with these new eyes, applying it to what you've... And it's an infinite process where you always knew more than you did, so you can always go back. Eventually, you just have to say, it's fucking done. Yeah. Or if you're like... I'm allowed that when I'm making something that's for me or with like my friends and we have that. But when it's like a, uh, this is the difference, like with corporate work or like when you're making an animation for a client. Um, if they're very hands-on about the whole process, it's like, it, it really forces, and, and it's good. It's, it's not good for when you're, you're making your own stuff, but it's good for when you have like someone that keeps coming up with notes that just have nothing to do with creativity. And it's more just like something they wanted added in there. And then while you're trying to change that, you notice things that like you have to fix as well. And then just like creates this rabbit hole. And then, uh, you know, and if they have more notes, I don't know, this is the boring side of all that when you're, when you're taking notes from people, but it really does kind of force you to look at the, the, the piece of art you created, uh, with a very different lens. And that's Uh, some shit because it's, it's weird. I think I rather that method because with perfect freedom and no constraints, you really do have to sit back and be like, what the fuck am I even going to do? But when there's rules, it becomes so clear what you have to do, you know? Like, I can't do this, I can't do that. Well, I could do this if that's not included and I could do that. And it just, like, it refines it. The more rules you have while creating, the easier it is to create. It's really difficult to be like, here's an empty canvas. Do whatever the fuck you want. No rules. It doesn't matter what it is. What are you going to do? What are you going to make? What's the first thing that comes to like A lot of pressure there. Yeah. There's a lot of pressure in those scenarios. Yeah. With client work or corporate, when you're commissioned by someone who has a specific vision, it's like, it's a great muscle to flex, um, but it's it's not the same creative process. But it, yeah, you're right. You do learn a lot. It's a crash course in problem solving because you're you're working for someone else. Like you're, you're figuring this out for them, not for your own benefit. And you don't want to do a, a bad job if, you know. If you like it, <laughs> or if you like the client. Would yeah. taking a life stop you from animating? If I killed someone? No. If somebody would die with your next animation. If somebody would die, like in real life? Yes, yes. You don't even know who they are. Just a complete stranger. And they die. Yes, they're going to die. And you know, like, so the com- let's say the company you're working for, right? They're yeah. like, okay, look, we have made a contract somehow and they can prove it, however the fuck they prove it. And they're like... If you ever make another animation of any sort, if you draw, if you so much as draw a doodle, somebody in the world is going to die and you have no idea who they are. Could be somebody, you know, it could be not. It's like that button scenario. And uh, you don't have to give a shit. You could just keep making art. Who gives a fuck? You'll never know. We could be lying. Even if this is proof over here, you don't have to believe us. Would you make art? 
Well, I'll tell you right now, Jack, I've killed and I'll kill again. Um, so I have no problem with that. No, I, uh, that, that is such an interesting question that I, I don't, I, I think I would, I would be, I would have to walk away. <laughs> I think I would have to walk away at that point. <laughs> I don't know. But I also, part of me thinks I probably wouldn't. Like somebody, like if I even draw a doodle, someone dies. If you even draw a doodle, somebody dies. I, I, I think the thing is like we're talking about going on autopilot. I'm pretty sure I would accidentally draw a doodle and, and someone would die anyway. I get, so okay, I, fair enough. If it was intentional. So like if, so I feel like if I accidentally do it and then I find out, oh, someone in, you know, someone all the way in like Tasmania died because you drew your doodle. And it's like, all right, this is a little too much to follow. I think I'm just going to keep doing this and whatever happens, happens. Um... But that is a good, that is, that is an interesting question. It sounds bizarre, but it really does kind of present this like question of like, how serious are you really about what you do? Yes. If somebody told me I couldn't write or somebody would die, I would be like, people are dying all the time. (laughs) Yes. You know, the world is overpopulated. Let's be honest. You know, if my doodle can, uh, can help the, the, you know, the food crisis a little bit or, you know, uh, that's all in good fun. Yeah, hundred percent. There is definitely that uh, going on where it's like, I am very committed to what I do, and I will. I've done it always, and I will do it always. And unless somebody chops my arms off, I'm probably doing it. And if somebody did chop my arms off, what stops me from talking into a machine that's going to write it down for me? Exactly. So uh, I, yeah, I like that question. Is 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 that what this is? What's this button? Button right here? Oh, yeah. The button is a story, uh, a short story about a, I believe it's a woman that gets presented. Oh, it's Twilight Zone. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off there. Was it from the Twilight Zone originally? They might have adopted that. Because there was a, they basically, they get presented with a button and they're going to get money that solves. I think somebody in their family was sick or some shit like that and they needed it badly. And they get presented with the button and the idea is if you press the button, somebody in the world is going to die. And you don't necessarily know who the fuck they are. Wow. That's that sounds very Twilight Zoney. That's I love that show. Yeah, that, Twilight Zone is fucking amazing. It's he wrote like most of those episodes, right? What's his name again? Sir Sterling. Oh, I have no idea. Stern. But um, Black Mirror is the current day Twilight Zone. Right. Definitely, yeah, that one's good too. So taking a life would make you quit. I have to know. I'd have to know the feeling I'd get because who knows? You know, taking a life for some people provides a rush that they. But that you're get, not going to actively take the life. You're I'm just going to be aware that somebody died. If I'm not aware... No, you are aware. Died, but you I just, am aware, but I don't know who. Yeah, you don't know who. You don't know I if don't it happened now or like 10 years from now. You just know somebody relative to you drawing dies. Who knows that that's not the case right now? Exactly. You know? Exactly, you know? I, actually, I know. how you measure it could really make that the case right now, right? Somebody died right now. That's a fact. You could look mm-hmm. it up. You could probably find out somebody who died this moment in the middle of this conversation on the internet. It's pretty easy. If you'd been drawing right now, how do you know you drawing wasn't consistent with them dying? In fact, every time you've ever made art, by the time you've finished it, there's at least one person who's died in that time. How do you know that wasn't your fault? There have been... Yeah, there's always a body count at the end of every every piece of art you've made. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> and they're all your fault. All of them. And they're all your fault. <laughs> yes, they're all your fault. Every single one of them. So, why is being aware that they're your fault going to stop you now? I don't think... I don't know. I think at that point, it doesn't matter. Because it's like, if, if I can sleep at night... Uh, that, that's another thing. If I'm not able to sleep at night, then that's one thing. Because then I could just go insane. But if I'm a- able to fall asleep... Sat and have a nice, you know, eight hours knowing that I just killed seven people with my animation about like a fart joke. Um, I think I could, I could, I could work with that. I think I could. Okay. But I don't know. There is a 
starving homeless child in front of you. And this starving homeless child is now consistent with our narrative. And weight is going to be added here. So if you draw that starving homeless child directly in front of you is going to die. But you would have ended their suffering by drawing and taking their life as a result. Okay, I couldn't do that. I could not do that. You couldn't Starving save him child, from his even misery. Even if they're suffering and I know that I'd be take, putting them out of their misery, I don't think I could do that. I, 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 yeah, that's one I know for sure. Like if, if, if I, but I could just draw later, no? Like I could just go You home could just draw. draw later, but that kid is going to stay alive. In fact, you've made him immortal in that circumstance now. <laughs> <laughs> He's going to keep suffering. He will suffer for, re- for eternity. So, is he aware of this? Does he know like when I, like, I'm just going to go home. It's like, wait, bro, you're going to make me immortal and I'm going to be a starving child? I mean, look, whether or not he knows it at the moment, eventually he'll figure it out. Yeah, after like 500 years, he'll be like, you know, I think that guy who could have drawn a doodle really could have taken me out of this shitty situation. <laughs> yeah. Uh. I I have never been presented with a question like that. That's great. I I think that I don't think I could do that knowing even if he's going to suffer for eternity. But now do you think that makes you bad if you had if you put your emotions ahead of somebody else's well-being? Because the well, the well, because just the idea of like I'm taking his life. Even though he's suffering. I'm you value him being alive and suffering more than ending his suffering? Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, we're all suffering. <laughs> no, I mean like a perpetual nothing but. If he's like, all right, at that point, he has to be screaming and, and, and being uh, vocal about his pain. Like if he's saying, I'm in pain, please kill me. No, it's um, not pain. It's just infinite starvation. It's just infinite star. He's, still, he's just always hungry. Forever. Pain. I guess it's pain, but not like screaming pain. It's like, have you ever been super hungry? Imagine that forever. Yeah, that's no fun. Let me think. I, I feel like if can I can I can't just bring this kid a sandwich. No, I can't you, just... this kid is physically in front of you, but like a, a sandwich would like phase through him. It sounds like this kid is in such a horrible situation that it might it might be worth it to help him. But I would need him to know that I'm doing the right thing for him. I would need him to have uh, an understanding. What if it's what if that's not the case, right? So you are going you've made the decision and you're like so long as I get him to understand and then you realize he's panicking and he wants to be alive. <laughs> oh shit. <laughs> but you know he's just a kid who doesn't know better and he's going to continue suffering. Right. He doesn't know better. He wants to be alive, yes. but he doesn't realize it's not the best thing for him. Yeah, that probably dying will ease all of it. Oh, uh, shit. You know what's crazy is there's this... If you ever played Assassin's Creed Odyssey? No, I haven't. There's like a mission. There's like a side mission where like this kid has no friends. Like you run into this kid and they're, the kid's friends are like these inanimate objects and like... I forget how it exactly goes, but like either you you tell this kid off and say, this is stupid. You These are not your friends. You need to make real friends. And then the kid cries and gets really sad and you feel bad. But later in the game, if you go back to that island, the kid is now playing with real children and like prospering. But if you don't tell the kid that they're stupid and wrong for having fun with like, you know, j- making all their friends inanimate objects, when you come back to that island, that kid's dead because the kid didn't survive um, you know, being on his or her own. I forget if it was a girl. But yeah, that was like one of those like decisions you have to make. You don't even realize it in the moment that like you could actually like accidentally kill this kid if you're not 
super harsh to them. Yeah, it was very yeah, weird. Yeah. I, I fully know. okay. That actually makes me think of uh, another, and we'll come back to the same question before you uh, kill the kid who's uh, begging to be alive, even <laughs> if it's terrible for him. Um, but uh, the trolley problem, you're familiar with it? I am not. Okay, there though. are five people laying down on a railroad, and they are about to get run over. Okay, perfect. You see this image right here? The, the look at the second one right here. Ah, uh, yes, yes, I am. I am familiar with this. Okay, it's gonna run over the five people. Uh-huh. They were gonna die had you not interfered. Right. The other person is totally gonna live because it was in their destiny to not had you not interfered. Mm-hmm. Would you pull the lever that saves the five? But now it's your fault that that other person is dead. Hmm. What would you do? I want to ask you now. I, I think you have an answer to this. I would I flip you... that switch without a second thought mathematically. Fuck that one person. I saved four right. people. Well, you know what? I think that I, in my mind, this person, uh, the, this one person is probably a little arrogant right now because they're all hot shit. They, they got tied up, but they got the, the good hand dealt in that they weren't on the track that was directly, that the trolley was directly going. So I, in my mind, this person thinks like, oh yeah, I'm not going to get run over. And I love a good, I love shock value. So I feel like that person would really, um, you know, it would be a big egg on their face moment. uh, (laughs) (laughs) But what if they knew they, what if they thought they were going to get hit anyways? Then, all right, then that makes it easier. That makes it, right? It makes the decision much easier. Yeah. So you're just going by whatever odds make most sense. Because then I get five people that definitely thought they were going to get run over. And then that, now now they're like, oh shit, I'm going to live. Yeah. But you're also a killer. I am a killer. I am, you know, but, um, you know, everybody's got to get their kicks one way or another, Jack, you know, um, in my mind, and for me, it's, uh, hypothetical, uh, situations where a trolley might run over five or one person. Or a kid is starving. So what are you going to do with the kid? Or kid, What am I going to do with the kid? I'm going to swap the kid out with uh, the person on the, the one person on the, the track. So you're like- just dooming that kid to, well, you can't, that kid is going to be living forever in suffering, except now they're on a train track, always thinking they're going to be hit too. No, no, no. What I'm going to do is I'm going to swap that kid out with uh, the the person that's just alone because that now I ca- I'm killing two birds with one stone because like that person who's about to get hit is not going to be immortal if they don't die and they're going to live a, you know, a happy regular life. This kid is now going to have the best thing happen, which is he needs to pass away because he's going to be suffering for eternity otherwise. And I just saved five people. And I saved the guy's life that was going to get hit because he now has a, you know, he's not going to be immortal. Well, the problem with this logic is you saved seven people because you never drew. And now that kid is immortal because that train phased through him because everything phases through him. It's only the drawing. All right. <laughs> so, no, now he's doomed forever. You've made your choice. Your impulse reaction has fucked this kid further because now every couple of minutes he swears he's about to be hit by a train. He's starving in the times between that prominent fear of getting run over. And the only person that could have freed him put him in front of that horrifying train scenario. You found the only way to make this worse and <laughs> took it there. You know what? I made the fatal mistake of trying to have it all. I tried to have it all. And now everybody is, well, except for the five people. <laughs> no, everybody else is happy. Yeah. Everybody else is happy. The only person who got the like way short end of the stick is this kid that you can't see him yeah. to quit putting in worse positions. Right. Well, then let me, then those six people that are now alive because of me, they owe me what we call uh, a, a, what is it? A debt, a life debt. They owe me a life debt. So now they have to take this kid in 
and teach him to learn the ways of the Force so he can become a Jedi and, um, you know, an immortal Jedi is the perfect situation because this kid knows that otherwise he's doomed to suffer for eternity. So these six people are now going to give him purpose. I think I solved it. I think I just solved that. Did I not, Jack? I mean, can anybody come in contact with him to move him off of the railroad? Like, everything's phasing through him. How are you going to do any of this? Well, just untie him. And also, the fact that things phase through him implies on some level he must be Force-sensitive, right? Like, he must have some supernatural abilities. I just heard this word for the first time on this show, and uh, I didn't know what the hell it was to begin with. I just figured out what the fuck it means. And I I, at first thought they were saying Force-sensitive, like being able to see the future (laughs) or something, you know? They're for sensitive. They're for for sensitive people. No, 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 not for sensitive, like for right. sensitive people, but like uh, foresight. Oh, I thought it was like you're for sensitive. Interesting. No, it's it's you got the midi chlorians. Do you know that word? With the midi chlorians, no, midi chlorians. I'm so glad that I, I'm a Star Wars nerd, so I'm, I love any chance to explain this. Midi chlorians are, I guess, I'm now I'm gonna butcher it, but they're basically the little atoms or whatever they're the little they're the things in your body that um give you force powers like you know if you're a jedi and you can control things with your mind midichlorians it's like the gene um they're like little bubbles i believe if i'm not wrong in your body yeah those are them and they like they're what give you your powers so like people and it was a very controversial subject i don't know how much you know about star wars lore Um, i'm not too familiar it, it 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 angered an entire fan base when George Lucas introduced it because that before that it was just like anybody could have the force if they put their mind to it and then he introduced this concept in the Phantom Menace and that you have to have midichlorians to be force sensitive and people went berserk. See, and- I find it crazy that people like the Disney versions of Star Wars more than his prequels. Because I would say it's the opposite. I think most people like the prequels more, no? What? Dude, I, the prequels are so... What? Rock, have you been under? The prequels are so unanimously hated. Not, not, not They used to be unanimously hated. Now they've gotten a little more... They've gotten a little more love over the years because people hated The, the Last Jedi and the Seek. I thought people unanimously hated the, the Star Wars ones, uh, Mandalorian excluded, because people like that. Yeah, people but, love the Mandalorian. I don't know. I thought people hated the new one. I, I, I'm indifferent. I, I love any any of them. You know, a Star Wars movie is better than no Star Wars movie in my mind. But yes, the, the prequels, I would say, are genuinely worse. Let me genuinely- burst your bubble. I hate Star Wars. You hate Star Now that interests me. I'll quickly run over the fact that Star Wars has no science. They pretend it's a galaxy, but there's like five <laughs> planets or some shit that they all visit. And that's pretty much the limit of it. More or less sounds like they colonize a star system and they're calling it a galaxy. None of the physics work. Their spaceships work off of some... It's supposed to be in our galaxy, thus our... Not in our galaxy, in our universe, thus our physics. But it's such a broken problem that's going on. Yeah. And they focus on the wrong things. On a whiny teenager and their shitty mentor and the political (laughs) battles. I like the fact that they allow outside content to be canon in novels and games and all this other shit because they focus on fucking everything else. If George Lucas did anything right, it was making the world for everyone else to play in 
because what he thought was interesting about the world was made of garbage. <laughs> you know what? That's very true. He was willing to let people take it and run with it rather than be like a J.K. Rowling who like will come out every five years and throw a wrench into like just come up with some concept like, oh, yeah, by the way, like, you know, like talking about how feces are like removed from like Hogwarts. Like he doesn't do any of that. He let he let people take it and run with it and figure it out their own their own reasoning to how the Star Wars world works and operates. A hundred percent. I think that's definitely the way to go with it. It's very solid. It makes sense and it allows people to kind of focus in on what they find interesting because he definitely didn't know what was interesting. I hate all his stories. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's not a great screenwriter. I will say that. He's, he does not know how to write dialogue at all. That was his, his fatal flaw. Yeah. Yes. God, I hate all the stories. Anyways, <laughs> anyways, outside of that point, it was like very awesome talking to you, dude. I, I definitely did enjoy picking your brain. And uh, you you were the only person I know who I've given some uh, complicated scenario and somehow made it worse for the people suffering in there. So I applaud <laughs> how you somehow made it worse for someone. That's my superpower, man. I can take a really shitty situation and find a way to worsen it for all involved. That's that's my my bread and butter right there. See, no, but fantastic. I I gotta say this was really fun. I I really this was cathartic. You know, at the end of the week, uh, this was awesome, and I was looking forward to it all week. And um, yeah, this this was a blast. Thank you for having me on. Hopefully, I can come on again. Hell uh, yeah, dude! I, I plan to have you more in the future. Like I love what you do, man, and I definitely love talking to you. It was definitely very interesting. And again, I was very excited after getting to see familiar with the absurd nature of what you do, I had to like come and see who the person behind the art is because no artist is just a normal, boring person, you know? Yeah. There's always something ticking there that makes a person kind of flow. And for an introvert, you're kind of pretty outgoing, which is surprising. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I don't know. I guess I don't know what I am on the scale, but somewhere around there. But yeah, this yeah, I'm I'm really glad glad you reached out. This this was a blast. You're yeah, I, I learned a ton. I think I'm a Satanist now. I'm not sure. I'm gonna <laughs> I say look that one up. You're either a Satanist or Pastafarian, one of them, right? <laughs> yeah, definitely. So But anyways, uh, let everybody know where they could find everything you have, whether it be socials, all your channels, everything. Definitely. Yeah, you can find me on my, my main pages are Instagram and uh, TikTok. Um, it's at SpaceKits, uh, S-P-A-C-E-S-K-I-T-S. Um, they're just funny, short form animations. Um, yeah, check them out. See, that's awesome, man. I love your cartoons, bro. Anyways, man, it was real good to talk to you, bro. For real. Yeah. Likewise. Had a blast. Yes. Uh, have a great weekend. Same to you, man. Enjoy your weekend. Enjoy your night. And uh, don't be a stranger. See, now you're screwed because I'm going to be hitting you up regularly. <laughs> so, yeah. I'm looking forward to it, man. Take care, man. Take care. You as well. Deuces. Peace. That was amazing. It was. That was tough. What would you do with that kid? Fucking kill him. <laughs> it's not that hard. You kill the kid. I don't know. The only option is you kill the kid. I don't know if they're telling the truth. What if their proof isn't real? Come on. What if I find out their proof was just no. a lie? I no. don't know. At this point, you got to believe everything is bullshit at that point. Like, they somehow proved to you it's proof. Like, solid proof. without a doubt. Yeah. And they prove it without a doubt. That's the scenario. Uh. Do you kill the kid? Or are you like, I guess you're fucking stuck suffering because I ain't doing it.
That's how, but how do I kill the kid? Is it something like how he just drawing kills the kid? Because yeah. if I have to physically kill this kid, that's no, really No, you got to give up the thing you love doing the most. Love doing the most. No video games ever again. No video games. And Not even phone games? No video games. And he couldn't doodle intentionally or that kid dies. You cannot play anything. No board game. I... No games. No, no games. games. No games. You never play another game. Not board games. Or card games? No game. Or that kid. What about watching video games? Is that against the rules? <laughs> Why are you trying so hard to keep him alive? I think he'll die. I mean, wouldn't he? Wait. No, when you do the thing, he dies. Oh, when I do the thing, he dies. Hmm. Just fucking kill him. Okay. Who the fuck? <laughs> what's the difference between this one kid dying and like the other 40 million starving children in the world that die daily that we ignore? Uh, what the fuck is the difference? <laughs> what did you change if you sacrifice something you love? Because I'm looking at him. It's so much harder when you're looking at him. Walk away and you suddenly don't see him. <laughs> yes. But I, at the moment, though, you're looking at the child. Who gives a shit? I guess. You're choosing so involvement. I can just walk away, go home, and then play video games. Yeah, and he and dies. And I don't have to worry about it. No, he's dead. Oh. He died because you played video games. Ouch. Okay. He was going to starve for eternity anyways. How are they going to prove that? <laughs> they don't have to. They already proved that that would be the case. Oh, that he's going to just live forever he's, You hunger. made him immortal <laughs> and he starves forever. Yes. But if I play video games, <laughs> he dies. He dies. That's so much work. I don't know. You were already going to play video games. Yes. I'll probably play video games. And uh, then he dies. Yes. Why don't you just opt into playing a video game so that he dies? I guess. To end his suffering. <laughs> yes. Why is, it, why is it so... This is why people are bad in the world. Yes. Because it's really hard to do something bad for a good reason. Yes. Nobody wants to be the bad guy. We're so horrified of being the bad guy. Even if it makes us a hero? It makes us the bad guy. It makes us the bad guy, I guess. Too, uh, too, uh, it makes us... Know. We're so scared of being called the bad guy. Yes. Our actions are what the bad guy would do. Yes. Yeah. Even if nobody's going to be like, you're the bad guy. But, like, we know we're the bad guy. Yes. I guess that, yeah. It's a weird backwards-ass shit that goes on. Because the hero would be like, I'll take the burden to end I'm their suffering. I'm not Batman. I'll take the burden. I'm not Batman. And I will end this he'd child's life. And then he'd quit. Yeah, he'd blow his house up with a minute. Yes, like, you have to stop. What does he do? Stop hanging out with bats? I <laughs> guess. I mean, those are his <laughs> friends and family. Yeah, and then he has to... Ha no, he has to hang out with his friends, and then they die, the child. Oh, man, I forgot to tell Cliff about that time that I played Bat Book. Oh, what was that from? That was from the... Oh! That's from you, mind. mind. Yes, mm. the conversation in hell. And I'm also the mysterious stranger from uh, Creeping Wave. Creeping Wave. Oh yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Holy shit! I'm a voice actor. Sort of. You're a voice. Yeah. Yes, I don't know. I was really weird. How did that happen? Oh, uh, by accident. Yeah, totally unintentionally. Yeah. I guess I'm just always volunteering for random shit. I'm like, hey man, if you ever got something happening, let me know. You're brave. Hey man, if you got something, let me fucking know. Yeah. I guess I should harass Cliff, be like all those shills that are trying to follow him and be like, man, give me some <laughs> fame, bro. Because I don't care. I'm like, man, 
If you got anything happening, let me fucking know, bro. Yeah. If you need an extra voice. You need an I'm extra here. voice. I'm like, whatever, dude. I have If one. you don't need me, I don't care either. It's like all good. Yep. But like, if you do, I'm here. Yeah. I hope I don't he know. does that show about that turtle. That'd be amazing. He, should need, he needs to make a series for that turtle. Yeah, dude. I'll be the cool turtle. You'll be the cool turtle. Yeah, because he's one turtle who's like the nerd loser turtle. And then his friend's that gangster turtle selling the stuff. I'll be like the chill turtle with the leather jacket. With the leather jacket. Yeah. He's the neutral party. Like, I don't sell drugs and and I'm not like buying drugs, but like this Heisen turtle over here, I guess I would be something different, right? I'm like Mike from Breaking Bad. I do all the things. Like, I don't sell <laughs> drugs, but like, you can hire me to do the sketchier shit. Uh. Like, you kill the guy and you need me to clean it up. You need me to be the guy who kills the guy. Like, whatever, dude. You got money. You got plastic, bro. You got plastic. Give me plastic. How much plastic you got? You okay. okay, you're gonna pay me in plastic? No, that sucks because I want to do the plastic. I want. I don't want the plastic. I want be high, bro. I just want the money. So, what was he paying for in that cartoon? What was he paying with? You got what the what? Was he I don't remember. He was trying to buy a DVD player. He was trying to buy plastic. Oh yeah. no! Well, that turtle was trying to sell him plastic. Oh. So that he can choke himself. Oh, I thought he wanted. Okay, but he was also selling. Blue I don't DVDs. know. Let's see what this looks like. I feel like I remember bootleg DVDs for some reason. So, in the search, I don't know if you read it, but turtles kind of live long even without eating. How long? I don't remember. They're lizards, ultimately. They can last really long. Yeah. So, what the fuck was the payment? I didn't fucking learn a thing. He was going to sell him plastic if he watched... If, if the kid watches the movie with him. Yes, but... That was the payment. That would be the payment if he wants that plastic. What wasn't there real money being exchanged? No. Oh no, for the plastic. But he was there trying to buy something already. What would he have paid for? With what would he have paid with? I thought it was for the power hour thing. He asked, "What is he selling?" I thought. Wait. So this is a weird ass interaction because he already had this guy's number. He got yes. in contact with him. Shows <laughs> yes. up and he's like, "What do you got?" <laughs> yeah. What do you got, and then bro? He shows him all the stuff. And then he's, he's like, like, what about that plastic, bro? <laughs> he's like, you got to watch a Jimmy Timmy Power Hour with me. Yeah. Yep. That's Th how it goes. That's fucking nuts. I don't like. Well, whatever. I would be some hitman kind of fucking turtle. I would be part of the gang. Um. Anyways, uh, Cliff, if you're listening to this, uh, make that show. Also, uh, make me the star of it. And, uh, what? No, Biggie's gonna be the star. Biggie? I'm gonna be... No, it, we thought it was gonna be about Biggie, but what's gonna happen here is it's gonna start off with him as the lead character, right? Mm -hmm. Then, after the zombie apocalypse happens, he's gonna be carried away in a chopper, and I'm gonna be the new main oh. character, and I will watch over Biggie the Turtle's son, okay. Carturkle. Carturkle? Carturkle. Okay. I'm gonna watch over his son, Car Turkle. Who's missing an eye? Who's missing an eye? And he's missing a the cowboy hat. And he loves to wear a cowboy hat. That's Car Turkle for you. Yep. Chill little Car Turkle. Yep. Yeah, man. Okay. Anyways, apparently that I'm a voice great. actor. It sounds yep. like the best. Yep. But uh, yeah, apparently I'm a voice actor. Uh, I've only known about this for the last two, three minutes, but uh, I already have many works under me. Yep. And uh, if you are in need of my services. You can contact me as a... You know, you're a celebrity. You're like 
The list was the lowest list celebrity. It's the lowest <laughs> list of celebrity? <laughs> yeah. If you're an A-lister, you're like the Johnny Depps and the George Clooney's, right? Yeah. Then you're like B-lister. We're looking at like, uh, I guess like, what the fuck is this guy's name from the late show? Ever Jimmy Fallon. Okay. Like, he's not an A-lister. No. But he's not like a lower class. He's like B-plus. Okay. Like, he's not A. <laughs> he's not like Brad Pitt. No. But he's like a, a B-plus. And C? Well, now we got to get the B. Oh. Because B-plus is like him. It's like oh. those people in that area. What would B be? Because B is like knowable, but like, mm, you kind of don't give a fuck. Like uh, rappers, a lot of rappers. A lot of rappers. A lot of rappers fall in there. Okay. Like good rappers that you're just like, okay, great. Like if you saw Ludacris outside, like, I love your music, but you can go bother Ludacris. And like, oh, it's fucking Ludacris, whatever. Yeah. Okay. You know, like he's so, way famous, mm-hmm. but like you're more likely to bother Jimmy Fallon. Yeah. Okay. So he's like so, B-list. B-list. Yeah. And then... And then we got like C+. Plus. When we're talking C+, plus, we're talking like... The people from The Office? No, they, that's, they lower that's way that? lower. Because <laughs> there's like a Hugh Larry from House. Everybody knows him, but like... Yeah. You don't, you're not really sure what the fuck his name is. He's that guy from that thing, and everybody knows what the fuck that thing is, except like, I don't... What the fuck? He's a real human? You so know? he's... A C plus. He's a C plus because he's recognizable. Yes. And then there's like C where it's like, you don't even fucking know what show he was on, but they're recognizable. Yeah. You're like, fuck, I know I've seen him somewhere. So that would be like people from the office. People from the (laughs) office. You're like, I I can't like put my finger on him, but I know. so normal. Yes. You're just some motherfucker, but bro, I know I saw you on TV. And then what's next? D list. That's me. D list. The people in the background of shows and stuff like in movies. Well, we're talking celebrity. They're not celebrities. But you're kind of like that, though. I'm so far and down the, the voices because there's well, people who get paid to do voices. Oh my god! When we talk about celebrity voice wise, we go way like Troy Baker, A list, A list. Everybody okay. knows Troy Baker. The people from Dragon Ball Z. <laughs> they immediately land at like upper C. Okay. It's a pretty and big gap you're... between Troy Baker uh-huh. and the Dragon Ball Z guy. And then where are you? I am way... On this scale, I'm like beyond the blip. There are See? so many people who sound just like me and are way more... I mean, I guess sounding just like me is unlikely, but... No. Way more notable. I'm so ambiguous, I'm not recognizable because of that. I'm kind of all of the above. So when you hear my voice, you're like, mm, I can't distinguish. So... I'm like a Z. Z. You're not a Z, though. I'm Z celebrity. Maybe why? Why? Fair yeah. enough. Maybe there's somebody way less known than me. Yeah. But no, I've been on a couple of shows. Yeah, you have been, so. Yeah, let's see. One, two, three, four, five, like six. That's cool. As voice actor. As voice actor. Yeah. I mean, one of them, I was like physically present, but Which one? they animated over me. Say that again. <laughs> they animated over me. It was uh, when I was uh, back, back book. Oh, okay. The half notebook, half bat vigilante, who's definitely not human. That's definitely not human? That's definitely not human. I thought that definitely wasn't a book. No, he was definitely a book. Oh, he was a definitely... He was definitely not human guy dressed as a bat Oh, okay. So ridiculous. Which is funny because the image used is a notebook with a bat helmet and human arms and Uh. legs sticking out of the sides. Awesome. Like, if it's a costume that's just made. perfect. Yes. Oh, wow. I'll give Napoleon all the credit. She is a great artist as well. Mm Mm-hmm. 
But that character is hilarious. Yeah, that book. It's comedy bang bang reading It character. totally is, man. It totally is. Actually, that's what inspired that character in the first place. Comedy bang bang? Yeah. It was like, I'm going to do that. I'm going to just make some absurd shit. And then I love how I looped it back. Great, great. <laughs> Anyways. Anyways, again, all of this totally relates to the fact that we just talked to Cliff Benfield and uh, yes. absurdism, comedy, uh, trolley problem, kids starving. Benfield's a horrible human, apparently, who endangers Turtles. children and turtle. Live long. Hundreds of years now. And we're all Satanists now. Yep. So that's good. Mm-hmm. So you can follow him. Yeah. On all his stuff. You can follow Cliff Benfield. Now, I'll just say, you can follow Cliff Benfield on his Instagram, TikTok, and on YouTube at Space Skits on all of the platforms. And as for us, finding more about us, other episodes with guests, other episodes of just us, you can find all that good stuff on the official website, GreatThoughts.info. Now we have some uh, transcripts up there. So Yay. if you have deaf friends, there aren't a lot, but little by little, it's starting to be filled up. So give us time as our transcribers get to work and do their thing. And uh, eventually we'll have more episodes packing it up. So if you got friends that are hard of hearing, if you got friends that Can't are deaf, at all? if you yeah. got uh, friends that like podcasts but only have time during work but can't really play it out loud or they need to be able to hear for whatever reason they can read the show yeah if you're bored and you don't want to hear like you want to listen to music while reading i don't know yes there's a million things you could do with this so it's meant for accessibility yes use it it's accessible so yeah you can find all that stuff but anyways that's all on the website uh you can also find the podcast on apple podcast spotify and everywhere else you get your podcasts and you can reach us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at Just Combo Pod. Yes. And remember to subscribe and rate the show. And if you feel so inclined, please feel free to review it and leave us some lovely things or say horrible things. Whatever you truly believe. And let someone who might like this show know about it. The word of mouth is the most powerful tool a human has other than your spirit. Your spirit. Yeah, isn't that what people say? The true magic is on the inside or whatever the fuck. Like your soul, your motivation. Go outside and do some art while listening to our other episodes. Yes. This has been the Just Conversation Podcast. Take nothing personal and thanks for listening. Bye. Also, side note, question, you are not from suburbs. You are an urban child, aren't you? Yep. Yeah, you have the uh, the tinge of hood in there. <laughs> that is the nicest compliment. Yeah, because I am dark skin yet sound whiter than most humans I have ever met in my life. <laughs> Meanwhile, I can hear the, the hood. You're surrounded by colored people. Yeah, I mean, New York City, man, it's a melting pot. You learn, you you know, you learn a little bit about everybody here. It's it's definitely the best. See, that's, that's great. I love it. I love it, and uh, it comes through in some of your characters where you do kind of have all the variants of different inflections. That's why it's hard to even tell which ones are you.
That's why I have to ask, was that uh-huh. Turtle you? Because the other character is almost like some variant of that same thing, and you're the one voicing him. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, it, I, well, don't get me wrong. I can turn on the, the whitest voice you'll ever hear. Like, I, I can really, I can access that part of me um, pretty, like, I don't like talking like this. Like, that's my, that's, that's one of my go-to characters. It's just awkward white guy. Awkward white guy. Awkward white guy number seven. Yeah. <laughs> See, I always sound like troll white guy. No, troll white guy. No matter what I, because I, all my words have like that tinge of sarcasm. Like even if I'm straight faced, like if I'm telling you like, listen, man, realistically speaking, I think this could turn out better. Like even how I said that is like, well, maybe not. But it's like, I don't mean it that way. I'm just, no, this could turn out better, man. Like really. Right. But it's like my tonality or whatever always throws people into like, are you being, sir? Are you being an asshole right now? It's like, no, <laughs> dude, I'm being genuine. Like, do you get what I mean? It's like, was that sarcasm? <laughs> yeah, I see what you mean. I, I get that. Yeah, yeah. That's... Yeah, so I always sound like douchebag number one. <laughs> hey, you, you know, douchebag number one. I'll be douchebag number two. We'll make a sketch. It'll be good. Good morning. The Just Conversation podcast is hosted by Christina Colazzo and Jack Thomas, produced by Lynn Taylor and published by GreatThoughts.info. Art by Zero Lupo and logo by Seth McAllister with social media managed by Amber Black.